You are listening to Thursday Nights, Season 4, Episode 66. motionless snoot a dog shaped inky blob on the floor snoot. he has stopped moving snoot what's happening he's not moving he's not reacting he's, he feels he's completely still he's, he's not moving so we'll try healing him but I don't know that I can I, I can't it's beyond me to remove whatever affliction ails him but I might keep him around a little longer that's well, Vane doesn't respond. He's not sure what's happening. I mean, he's he's, he's a little pinned. bit uh, he's, he's a little bit speechless right now. He's trying to pick his foot up. He's like he's trying to. Uh, uh, as soon as Oil Vane picks Snoot up, everyone watching, just seems as everyone here, <laughs> can see this this vaguely dog shaped. It still looks like Snoot, but it, as it's been coming more and more common, it has gotten a little more bl- blurry around the edges. Uh, but he picks it up, and the body of Snoot starts sinking into Oil Vane's black, shadowy arm. Oil Vane is, uh... That doesn't look right. He's, uh... Oil Vane has a very pained and confused look on his face right now, and he's trying to shake his shadow blood arm, like... What? Like, shake him off? What's happening? What's happening, brother? I don't... I don't know what's happening. It's... I don't know. When he shakes it, it uh, uh, little bits of the the inkiness like fly yeah, off and splat onto the ground, but it continues to absorb more and more into. Uh, Baron gets his shield ready. Like I can cut it off. What the <laughs> tries to grab. That's his arm. Uh, the snoot part, the, the, the part that's still discernibly the dog shaped part. Uh, yeah, your hand gets purchased and and you grab it and you can feel you know what feels like. Snoot. It's a little bit furry, a little bit wet. Now, question: Does oil which is for which for scrimcorn? Like, yeah, he's not grossed out by the. Uh, he, no, oil vein doesn't feel that when feel when that. scrimcorn grabs. grabs uh, yeah. scrimp, it's about fifty percent into oil vein. Uh, like, looks at his brother and like kind of worried, and then like with the oh goodness, God, pull it and he's gonna try and yank it away. When Scrimcorn yanks it away, it pulls Oilvane's arm with it as, like, you don't feel any pull away from it as it continues to sink more and more into Oilvane's arm. Oilvane kind of yells, Hey! What happened? That's all he can answer. It's, it's stuck to him! Okay, this is weird, but it, it, are you in pain? Is it hurting you? Uh, it doesn't feel good right now. <laughs> okay, sit down first. He tries, he's, don't want he you tries to, to pass leave. out. Shall we try and separate you? We can okay, so get can a cleaver. Sit him down first. It's like first. 80% in. There's basically what was left of Snoot's like head is just barely sticking out of like the palm of where Oil Vane's hand is. <laughs> yeah. is you're, the Oil Vane's 
your inky arm, I keep inky, shadowy, if you describe it lots of different ways. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's gotten larger around the forearm and... Like an anaconda, swallowing uh, A little <laughs> bit like that, and it's, and it's, uh, the arm is, is moving and, uh, uh, shaping out of oil veins normal control. It's sort of, it's, it's almost like it's trying to sort of adjust to what's there, but not settling. Hmm. Uh, you want to cut off my arm? No, I mean, no. It's I guess in. it's a bit late for that. It's in. Cut off his arm. It's pretty well in there. You now. sit down. Now. And a few seconds later, the head of Snoot entirely disappears into the arm. Oil vein, you can feel gross. Uh, like an, <laughs> an itchiness and a heat from where the on the other side of that metal plate where the uh, where the inky arm connects to your body, and the rest of you can see as. Uh, uh, the streaks, the black inky streaks uh, that's all over uh, uh, oil vein, they start to grow, uh, uh, glow slightly and uh, and get thicker uh, on his face and up his arm, like spreading up over his neck onto that side of his face. What the fuck happened? Yeah. I think you ate your. Bow. And the glow, the glow, like it, it glows like a darkness and then fades back away and then it's it's growing. Scrims says, the, the marks on your face are, uh, and he goes getting up, bigger. He we're, grabs a, a mirror. He, you are weirder now. He goes to like a washroom and grabs like a hand mirror kind of thing. Yeah, they've got like fancy ass hand mirrors. One of those place. shiny plates. <laughs> Fantasy. Just a shiny little plate. Yeah, okay, I like that better. Okay, like, he goes over the table and he kind of off give of one serving, <laughs> serving dishes and, uh, and uh, holds it up so uh, Whale can see his. Face. I, I you see your face as you feel a Delta deep sense of this. nausea overcoming your body. Oh. Oh. I told you we should. Oh, I think it didn't go in well. Well, there was a bit of panic. <laughs> this could have been done better. Is, oh, Mock's not there. No. Oh, I was like, Mock's not responding to this at all. Uh, yeah, I, I assume it's, it's still kind of evening time, right? We're not doing uh, the next morning. No, no, this is evening. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone came back. Where, where are you again? He's with SN setting up a forge. About us and Justin is, is elsewhere as well. Okay, so they'll, they'll Mandor. Mandor. Justin, this is all happening very quickly, and Justin is in his... Oh, no, he's gone no, with... He's the Mandor. He's with Gary. He's gone with Gary. I forgot. one bullet left in that chair. I forgot, so this is it. It is Scrimcorn. Baron and Bear Jaw. We should have yeah. seen if who's here. Scrimcorn, Baron, Bear Jaw, interacting with this. <laughs> not, not a full core, I'm on, really. Talk to me how you feel, old man. I don't want to lose you. I feel queasy. You, you feel queasy. The nausea is growing more and more and more. Uh, Scrim, you feel uh, involuntary heaving in your body. Okay. As a okay. player, I feel like I kind of ate too much today. So <laughs> this is perfect. You can really channel it. You feel like you ate a half Italian delight too many. <laughs> Bearjaw gets true. a vase full of flowers, dumps the flowers and all of the water on the ground, and just puts it in front of him since he seems to oh. be. I don't think that's big enough. <laughs> and then it comes. <laughs> this size? The heaving, the heaving, and as involuntary as like such things thing. happen, uh, 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 you feel your guts contracting, and your uh, uh, not just 
uh, not just the, uh, the like the stomach contractions from vomiting. It's more. It's more than that. You feel a contraction in your whole body, your full muscles, body, like a full body, like dry heave as uh, uh, as some ink starts uh, uh, pouring out of Oil Vein's okay. mouth. Not separating, just think about, streaking down like uh, like taffy. Think about your, your enemies. Think about your enemies when you do this. This is, makes it better. Fuck you, Tate. There you go. You probably can't even speak. This is like you will be okay. More and more of it is pouring out of his mouth and onto the ground and forming a big puddle that's spreading out into the vase. Oh, oh. Yeah. Is he going into the vase? Well, I mean, is he right trying there, to get it into the vase? Doing it very poorly. Okay, <laughs> okay, it's so going over It's going the into the vase it's and over the, the edge as he's moving edge. around and heaving. I mean, it's hard to control his it's aim okay, here. Okay, okay. Just remember to tie the memory of this moment. It to is the continuing to pour out. The amount that's coming out of him is is already more volume than Snoot was. Uh, uh, it is it is becoming a mound of uh, pouring over the vase. Edge. It's, it's over the vase edge. The amount that you've managed okay. to get in is poured over the edge, and you hear a crack and shatter as the vase cracks, and okay, the the shards of the vase get pushed out to the edges of the blob, and then sloughed mm. down to the bottom. Oh, bloody! Hell. Is there a tub? Get him in the tub. We may need to. <laughs> on all fours it's right continuing just... to just him, I pick him pour up. out of his mouth. I pick him up. Scrim goes and turns on the water in some the, in washroom. As Bearjaw picks him up, she feels a surprising up. resistance as she realizes that whatever is coming out of his mouth is not like a liquid coming out, but he's tethered to it. So when he pulls, you feel a wrenching inside your body as if something don't? attached into your guts uh, coming out of your mouth okay. is being pulled from it's it. It's like if you were pulling that spaghetti string and someone grabbed it and then it grabbed you. So you feel a... But you just never chewed it. The, yeah. so the, you can barely so feel the... Un- obviously distressed by my... Yes, like, I mean, and you, you can't... I mean, you can well, try, and you probably could succeed, but yes, you feel a distinct resistance that you were unexpected. Are you he is the blob with you? Is the question? He is or are you tethered to this blob, and, it, and as you pull it, like it moves a little bit, but it's clearly putting a lot of strain on oil vein. Although oil vein's got this whole body heaving, that it is the, the extra discomfort of this pulling barely registers. <laughs> okay. Oh! Okay. 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 Hmm. I think here it'll do. Just here? Okay, here. She drops him. How far is the <laughs> spreading? Like what? Like uh, like you know, like maybe like four, is it five feet or in like diameter. It it's like, mounding it, and spreading out slowly. Four or five feet in diameter. It's not covering yeah. the whole room. No, not in the whole room. Like maybe five feet in diameter for this blob. I'm trying to think of like the. We right. could knock him out. Texture. It's like someone throwing up like tar. Like, like tar. Oh. Tar is a good. Tar is really good. Yeah. Like it doesn't. It's not coming apart. It gets very, very. Makes me think it's it's hot and steamy. It's extremely viscous. <laughs> yeah. I imagine it's warm. You feel a heat. It's a warmth. It's, 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 it's hot yeah. inside your body. Rapidly um, cooling, or does it stay? Looking at him, it's probably Baron, always mindful of the. Uh, uh, Baron of, is concerned for his health and well being. Physical and trying health. Trying to look like. Okay, how is he going to die he right dying? now? Is While Oil Vein is turning paler than you've ever seen him before, uh, uh, certainly not unexpected for the amount of physical trauma that he's experiencing. You're seeing not that unexpected. the that the. The growing uh, streaks on his body are, are receding back to their normal shape as this is expelling out. 
Okay, maybe uh, this is a normal crash. Not that uh, you necessarily have any idea how to interpret that. <laughs> uh, Scrim tells Yeah, this is all just weird, and he's just watching and trying to make sure Oil Vane doesn't die. Scrim That's tells, his focus. He doesn't know what the hell is going he with says, the oil. The lines on your face are... they're, they're going back. You hear a schlop as the last bit of it comes out of Oil Vane's mouth and is no longer tethered to it. Oil Vane falling backwards as like suddenly this pulling, pushing pressure uh, suddenly released from your body and you feel the, the that like seizing up of your whole body finally release as this mound of uh, uh, of oil is uh, oil of tar is uh, is there He's, he uh, he starts the black breathing. heavily breathing again because he couldn't properly breathe while uh, oh that's true yeah, yeah. He was <laughs> gasping for air how long does this whole process take that whole thing From, like snoot to now that was probably like two minutes of <laughs> of excluding. Okay, fast. so does he pass out? From not being able to no, no, he's, 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 he's conscious. He's conscious. He's conscious. He also, he's a half elf, so Sweaty. maybe there's some like the mound is moving. <laughs> uh, like okay, uh, does, okay. Scrim looks at it and says, "Whoa, um, is it moving? Like it? moving in place, or from Scrim's like?" Seeing nature and creepy crawly, does it look like it's? Does it look aggressive? Does it look? It is. It's not. Is Snoop coming back out? It's not (laughs) lunging. It's not lunging at you, which is a good sign. That's yeah. It is moving uh, upwards. It is. It is that that like five foot diameter. It's starting to like (laughs) smush together and uh, uh, like. A, a sort of a column is forming out of it, and another column is forming Grim out of it. Grim grabs his snake staff and turns the head into a snake. Fairjaw's <laughs> already got her hammer out. Yeah, Fairjaw like, was holding his shield, and now he's holding it defensively. As like uh, as the column forms out of this uh, oil, more columns form out of the bottom, sort of spidering out in multiple directions. Uh, on the ground, like little tendrils, essentially extruding out from uh, it on the ground yeah. in in uh, in four different directions, like in four corners, essentially. Oil vein. Uh, I want he to smell kind of, shit. Can I smell shit? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Oil vein had coiled back because of like after he had schlopped out of his, uh, his body, uh, but now he's uh, he's uh, he's still pretty confused. So he wants to like figure out what. You know, he wants to know uh, exactly what this thing is, so he crawls closer to it. The, uh, as he crawls closer to it, he sees the first column starts uh, protruding out in multiple different directions, and it starts to, uh, it starts to solidify into somewhat uh, uh, familiar shapes as the, uh, as the four tendrils from the bottom it actually, the main mass of it starts lifting up off the ground, the four tendrils sliding underneath it as if raised on four legs, the largest column protruding out forward into the snout of what appears to be the rough shape of a dog or wolf. Much larger than, uh, much larger than Snoot, of course, uh, this thing is multiple feet off the ground as it's, uh, and then it's features start to solidify more and more and the surface of the uh, the surface of its body uh, 
infinitesimally small uh, bits of oil start uh, uh, start coming out, almost as if to form fur out of its uh, uh, sticky, viscous Arby's material. We don't do wolves in this campaign. Whenever you think wolf, it's a coyote. Coyote's grim. <laughs> That's true. Coyote. Coyote like, we go coyote here. So <laughs> any refills, you know, uh, more like a dog than a coyote. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, like a dog. Okay, so market difference from our <laughs> usual flavor. Um, Scrim uh, is like watching this happening, but like it's kind of like idly watching that and is going and getting a uh, uh, a, a mug of water for uh, for oil. Like he's like I like worried about his brother, but is also seeing this this creature. So he hands you some water. Uh, What's Baron doing? Baron's uh, how is Wildman looking? Like someone uh, who just threw <laughs> Like someone who just threw up for two minutes in one long in heat. One long heat. Uh, so Does he look like he's gonna die? Uh good question. No. He is breathing, uh some of the color is returning to his face. Okay. He's out of the woods. His attention is now on this thing. Is this like anything Baron has ever fucking seen before? No. Do what? <laughs> Great, he has no idea, he's just taking a defensive stance. Dodge. The, Form of the uh, of the creature as the the sort of formless proto legs start uh, solidifying yeah. into uh, into slender muscular legs and the uh, uh, and the head and back and now you see another one of the columns forming into uh, a short tail. You see, it looks like a uh, muscular. Obviously, black and Pitbull? shiny uh, Doberman. Oh, a Doberman! I was close. Uh, uh, and then the inkiness pulls back to reveal ink teeth, uh, pulled back in this grin of long, sharp teeth, and uh, uh, and its pointy, uh, cropped ears start coming into formation. Uh, so so cropped and pointed, they almost look like horns. Uh, and then finally, yes, please. And finally, the first bit of color appears on it as its uh, uh, as its left eye uh, uh, glows a bright red, and it snaps over and looks at Oil Vein. Uh, oil Vein, uh, he looks this creature in the eyes. It looks back at Oil Vein, and Oil Vein feels his awareness almost. Pulled into the creature, and oil vein, oil vein knows with every fiber of his understanding. He recognizes Snoot in those eyes. He's been traveling with Snoot for months. Here, he sees it in the eyes. Without a doubt, changed in almost every way conceivable. But the eyes are the window to the soul, and the soul that he sees is that of the dog he's been traveling with for months or for months. It has been months, yeah. yeah. At least a month. And uh, uh, and then a moment after that recognition, the dog uh, bounds over the edge, uh, uh, smashing into the. There's like a, a a glass bit over there, and just hits it, slows down a bit as it then phases through the uh, glass, and then uh, jumps down. Look over the edge to see it jump down into the street below. Like the window going out the street. Yeah, the window of your. You're on the like second story, and yeah, yeah. I can't remember how we described the. I think it had here. a balcony because we had like these open air bathrooms. I think it probably. That's what it was. It goes to a balcony and sort of like moves a little bit through glass yeah. and then pff, jumps down. Well, oil vein. Uh, he gets up and he uh, he runs over to the window to see where Snoot's gone, and 
He yells, Snoot! Snoot! Oilvane barely sees maybe Snoot, uh, a flash of shadow tearing down the street and turning a corner down an alley. Snoot! I'm following that thing! Ed is uh, running downstairs to go out the front door to start tracking it as soon as possible. Oilvane nods and uh, you just hear this, this... As like this black uh, mist kind of uh, pops in the room, and he disappears, and he teleports into the street below. Oh. Teleport. Uh, yeah. Oil vein. Uh, I see you chasing, yeah, chasing, chasing after him. Chasing after. Literally. Hot on its tail, uh, heading down the alleyway uh, that it was. Scrimcorn, just not a not not a few seconds later, blasting out of the front door of the Golden Oak. Some yelling from inside. Hey, what happened to this? He's not even paying attention. Uh, Baron looks to Bearjaw and says, After them, I'll catch up. Bearjaw, this is like, why? We don't want that thing <laughs> running amok. It's just run away. Ugh. She begrudgingly trudges <laughs> down the stairs. What does Bear Jaw have to do that's better? Just, just <laughs> chasing, not chasing a dog. Dogs. Chasing not chasing a dog. dog. It's not nearly really big enough and broke. It's not enough. near. I mean, it didn't even try to bite her once. She feels that's too slimy. She feels like she feels, she feels like snubbed is what it comes like down to. Like oil vein, oil vein threw she up was, his dog. All this might, all this and now his dog ran away, away, and now we all need to chase his dog. As it was forming oh, a shape, was a bigger and bigger grin coming across Bear Jaw's face. Like, She's like, oh, a fight is coming. And then it ran away. Like, it was swirling, and she says, Our battle shall be legendary! <laughs> and then just leaves, and she goes, ah. Well, fuck that! <laughs> uh, Alright, so Bearjaw slowly trudges down the stairs. I mean, um, she'll, she'll find Oilvane, eventually. As you tear around the corner, is nowhere to be seen. Down, it's like a dark, shadowy alley. Mm. Well, I don't know where you went. Yeah, Scrimcorn catches up. Scrimcorn. Then you see a flash of red. Look your way from the dark shadows. It's all you can see, like a flash of red. Run closer to the. Right. He's to chase after it. I'll try to. I'll try to get it sent. Try to figure out what it leaves behind. And he's gonna take a second into the tracks. It's As you run closer oil. towards it, you swear <laughs> you can see the print. eye. Uh, the eye of Snoot staring at you as you run closer and closer to it. And as you get within about ten feet of it, it just winks out. And it's gone. There's no nothing there. How long does it take a, a sulky bear jaw to? To saunter into this <laughs> scenario. Uh, well, what are you doing while she's arriving, just real quick? Oilvane is, he has no idea where to go from here. Because, uh, yeah. So, as Oil as Scrimcorn's trying to uh, uh, get, you know, trying to track it, essentially Let's looking for any evidence of it passing, Scrimcorn finds nothing. Like, no, there's no I'm inky sorry. blots left behind. There's no footprints coming down this way at all. He's certain of it. And, uh, and, Bearjaw, a couple minutes later, maybe two minutes later, comes around the uh, the corner here to join you. There's been no sight of it for a few minutes. Looks at you, looks at him, looks at the alley. Leaves, leaves nothing behind. And just to clarify, it's not like he sees a single one. You can't find another another one, another footprint. It's like he's not seeing any trace of it. No trace of it. It is. It's it's like it's like nothing else I've ever tracked. Leaves nothing behind. He leaves nothing behind. This is if this is indeed is it Snoot? That's <laughs> it's Snoot with all my heart. I know it's Snoot. Why don't you call it then? Snoot. I mean, I, I can feel him. He, I just I, he's not. 
Is he? Is he gonna hurt someone? Was Snoot a bad All of us dog? are capable of it, but Snoot's only in the oracles will know the future. All right. Well. Oh yeah. So yeah. Baron, Baron has shown up as well. Eventually, out of breath. Uh, <laughs> Bear Jaw had considerably had after Bear Jaw. Bear Jaw's skulking her. stride is still faster than a hustling bear. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he must have taken his time. And much less willing. <laughs> um, do you know do you, any idea where he would go? Does he like like meats? Fountains or something? Like, when you go to a dairy, you're always giving him milk or something. Ah, maybe. Uh, we find cows. I don't know. I'm in village for a I've never left his side ever since I've gone. Well, Oil vein, as he's talking about Snoot, as he's thinking about Snoot, he can feel the presence of Snoot. This is almost something... You've not had Snoot leave your side much since you got him, if I remember correctly. I like, you left him in the room one time. Uh, Came back you, to a mess. You haven't had much chance to experience this, and, and it, it it feels slightly reminiscent of, of, of the feeling you've had while holding Snoot close to your body, you know, in your special pouch made by the tailor here. Um, you can feel his presence like he is with you, like he is standing with you, Perhaps just out of reach, somewhere nearby, but it is, uh, uh, I mean, you don't see him, but you, you you sense his presence. Like, you're like, he didn't run off into the woods. You're certain of that. He didn't go run into Silvery Moon's river and go for a doggy paddle. Wherever he is, he's close by, but it's indescribably uh, far away at the same time. Like, there's one set I say this to not help you at all, uh, <laughs> but to describe... Just, uh, he's somewhere. I, I, I could feel him, but I just, I just don't, don't know how to hone in. Yeah. Hone in or reach him. I don't. He just seems. Uh, part of me thinks we should probably alert the guards, and the other part thinks that's a bad no. idea because then we're gonna be on the hook for it, and that can cause Also, what would problems. you tell them? There is There's a weird magical dog. And what will they do? <laughs> they will react. They're gonna want to know what they think, lots of questions. The forces of justice in an organized society are as flawed as the society here in the city is. Okay. <laughs> I know what you stand. We'll get on a longer, strong conversation later about this, but we're not talking to the guards. As 10, 15 minutes pass standing here in this alley for oh, oil vein, oh, is certain man. that he is still nearby. Uh, there's no change in anything. Oil Vane feels the closeness okay. and the distance of Snoot simultaneously. No screams come from the streets nearby, and uh, essentially the situation does not change. Okay, Bearjaw has a thought. Um, Bearjaw takes um, a swing at Oil Vane. Like with your fist? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like with her fist. Like with intention to connect? Yes, with intention so to connect. So bear jaw punches oil. <laughs> roll an attack. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. He's... Roll, roll a, roll it to hit. Roll okay. a, see, see if it connects. Okay. Do you see it coming? Are you trying to maintain his rage? Yeah, I feel like everyone's been through a lot. <laughs> I don't think okay, that's. You puked all over our floor. Yeah, that'll hit. That'll hit him easily. Okay. The fifteen natural plus he's, your unarmed strike. Yeah, yeah. Just oil. Roll some damage. Okay. Do some unarmed strike that's damage. One, one damage. Plus what? Strength. Thirty. Uh, you're, you're seven. It's up higher. Um, 
Nash's four. No, it's just she deals no, it's permanent plus seven. brain damage. Why is it plus seven? Because my strength because modifier is plus seven. No, it's and not. I add. No, yes, her strength this. modifier no. is plus seven. Nope. Mm. It's, uh, her strength saving throw is plus seven. Yes, plus four is her strength modifier. Uh, well, it's plus seven. Oh, it's because plus four. It's plus four. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the to hit. We were both You're looking right. at the to hit. I was hit. looking yeah. at the to hit. We were yeah. both doing that. Plus five okay, is five. the largest strength modifier you can get. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought her tavern brawler strike added something. Five damage. Five damage. Yeah, she punches you hard. Like full. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that would work. That's right. Ball is real punch. <laughs> literally the literally the weakest like, punch she can do. That's the weakest like, punch. Even though uh, I have that, which is which is four points of damage more than any regular person is capable of. Correct. Bear just just picking him up off the ground after this. Uh, usually a trained beast will come to the aid of its master if attacked. I thought perhaps. Well, I, mean, I mean, but you had to really be f- afraid of me hitting you, so it had to be. I'm I, sorry, it did not work. Well, you, can, you can hit me This response back. makes a lot of sense to him. You so can hit me back. He realizes that this is something that their job. <laughs> this is how it's genuine. You attempt. should get to the box. You should hit me back. pushes bear jaw out of the way. And oh, says, <laughs> my turn. He says, no, he didn't. Oh. He says, no. Yes. He says, brother, he says, concentrate. Oh. Like you're focusing on one of your spells. I don't know if it's the same for you, but focus your mind. Quiet your mind and um, and uh, and hands him uh, gives him a, 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 a very uh, orange colored root and says chew on this and he's going to uh, he wants to first cast uh, lucky cricket guidance um, which can last up to a minute until someone does a check so it's a d4 and then he wants to can he give him an aid on like a concentration. Can he uh, talking like, him through it? I'm gonna say certainly in this situation. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So I want to basically aid and give you an extra D4 on just some kind of like he says like where think on exactly where. As Scrimcorn is saying be. this, a few figures appear at the far end of the alley where you came from. The guards. Baron's pretty observant. He would notice. Sure, it's uh, 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 it's four um, tallish, average for human. So whatever, I don't know. If taller than Baron, shorter than Bear Jaw. Shorter than Bear Jaw, taller than Baron. That covers most of the population, though. To be fair, four uh, uh, four figures uh, come walking down this alley. Can I see them? Bear Jaw turns menacing. Yeah, yeah, no, you you can see them. They uh, uh, they. Are they armed? What's your insight? Pretty good. What's your passive insight? My passive insight? Let me look, get that number for Actually, you. you're watching these guys. Mine's Roll an active right. insight. Screw okay. Screw my passive is 17. My active is a lot higher than that. I rolled a 16 plus 7 is 23. Baron has... Baron has been around it recently. And Baron can see well, people trying before. too hard to act natural uh, from a mile away. And these four people, they've got uh, uh, they've got either uh, short swords or daggers uh, uh, gripped under their uh, cloaks, and they are they're walking in the fashion that untrained uh, uh, this is normal observers the, uh, the untrained. 
I should say, those lacking a lot of civilians. civilians would walk when trying to act natural. This is without any doubt in Baron's they're mind. They're talking too uh, much. They, they, they're, they're sort of talking to each other. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Do they seem aggressive or like competent? Like this is like, this is like a soldier pretending not to be soldierly. No, no, this is thugs pretending to, to be, be talking be and not noticing you guys as you're walking towards you. Yeah. Baron Into uh, this alley. <laughs> slaps a shield. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> grant me light. As uh, his shield illuminates with light, and he points him and says, Stand your ground. Bergdahl ah. turns around at that. The four, like the four figures now uh, uh, bathed in light, uh, they just pull out their daggers and uh, or they say what we give me let's let's do a good derogatory term for like for like rich people you guys came out of the golden oak you look like you look like rich marks you look like lace curtain motherfuckers yeah (laughs) hey lace curtain motherfuckers it says uh, it says it's time for you to give us your coin as they uh, as they hold out one of them is looking at Baron and like Like, looking at the shield and he's He's like taking a half a step back. The other three are like clearly like Payday. on the mission. <laughs> Payday. Uh, Baron <laughs> says, I am a servant of Moradin. Turn back now if you value your life. And I am a servant of kicking your ass. Uh, what does Scrimcorn do? Scrim is actively He's concentrating <laughs> on on focusing with Lil Vane. He, my, my, expressed, my expressed goal was to focus and make the environment wash away so he's not aware of this happening. That's cool. Oh, you guys so are there and half elven It's you and me! Thing. It's you what and me, do you Baron! Do Come on! As these thugs bear down on you and Baron is threatening my life. I am also threatening my life. Um... <clears throat> Scrim's just concentrate, brother! He's trying to chew on that root and then he's looking at Baron. He's not quite entirely sure that it's like, okay, this is not a bad situation. Because you know, we faced a lot of stuff before. They're muggers. They're, They're muggers, yeah. So he's chewing on that roof, but he's squinting his eyes, trying to figure out. He's like half like, okay. He's right. not focusing. All right, scream, I, I know what you're talking about, but obviously something's happening here. So his attention is kind of split right now. Uh, Can we? Uh, uh, scream says, focus! <laughs> it looks like a carrot, but tastes like hair. It's a carrot! <laughs> <laughs> he's doing the big chews where he's trying to avoid his tongue. Like he's not trying to make contact with his <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, And yeah, Scrim's just basically uh, doubling down on the on trying to aid any kind of snoop location finding thing. But you could do that. <laughs> so what are the ruffians doing? <clears throat> They're Holding their ground, except for uh, uh, except for Mister um, slightly smarter than the others, who has now taken one full step back. The, the one that as he is off. like, you see him because you're watching them all, Sir, and the one I'm that the one that took a step back is like also now see like taking a closer look at Scrimcorn and sees Oil Vein, and he's like doubled over, and he's like getting a little wider eyed, and he he's like taking another step back, <laughs> catch a whiff of Oil of Scrimcorn from across the way, strong. So they are, they are holding the ground, and they say, they say, oh, we'll, uh, uh, says, oh, so we'll be on our way once we get our coin, says the uh, ringleader. Bear does going to engage in combat at this point, um, 
may I roll initiative, or is this I can't a fight surprise that dog. round, or I'll whatever? Just, uh, no, state, state, state your intentions. Uh, Berto's going to, the one that's mouthing off, yep. making mouth sounds at her, Yep. Uh, she's going to throw her hammer at his face, and then break his teeth with her hammer. With said hammer. With said hammer. I mean, with, that's the, with what, the hammer, that's what be, fucking happens. It's got to be the skull teeth as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you can lightly break someone's teeth. She's not teeth. really trying to lightly break his no. teeth. They're she's, just, that will also happen in addition to for the, the rest of his Once head. Once the teeth are broken, the back of his skull it. will break too. Everything yeah. else will <laughs> also break, he but this teeth is, is a ball the teeth are usually first. It's like, I'm going to throw a hammer at your face. It's like... <laughs> okay. As Bearjaw split your lip, as Bearjaw raises her arm for this, what is Baron? What is Baron doing in this moment? Is he gonna? Is he going to take a first action, or is he waiting? Me. Come with me on this journey. Uh, he oh, is waiting. It's more like a walk. Baron is waiting. Scrimcorn, you are still full concentration on oil vein. Oil vein, you've eaten the herret. Is that right? The Herod? He's, He's chewing. He's the chewing. The the one does not eat a Herod. It tastes so like it's <laughs> no, worse. Not, one does not call it eating. Uh, yeah. What are you, uh, what is Oilvane doing? Masticating. Oh, uh, we're chewing. Uh, sorry, brother. <laughs> he spits out the Herod. The Herod! No! <laughs> Those are so one. difficult to get! <laughs> and he, uh, he gets up. And he, uh, he, uh, he stands up, kind of, uh, it's a little bit of a labored kind of, uh, you know, standing up, the, that process. And he walks over closer to, uh, towards where the bandits are, and he just kind of looks at them in the eyes. But in the back of his mind, he's still constantly, he's still thinking about Snoot, you know, and he's just, like, thinking about Snoot. Fucking hey, what, why is this happening? Why did this happen? He's still questioning, because he's still confused, but he's Snoot. As... He's thinking about Snoot, and despite spitting out the Herod, still experiencing the, <laughs> the lingering, the lingering <laughs> mind-altering effects the of Springcorn's strange the swamp, swamp, <laughs> swamp <laughs> magic. He's creating strange psychocorpia. He feels his mind. Uh, he feels his mind catch. It hitches on a a more solid awareness of Snoot, this this presence, this closeness that he felt, and suddenly he feels, he knows, Snoot is there. He feels that Snoot and Snoot is at attention. He is waiting to be called in this moment. Snoot, turn him inside. There you are. He can feel him. He can feel him in the around. And as Snoot, Very close. And as Snoot, uh, uh, and as Oilvane catches on and addresses Snoot, the shadowy, inky, dark Doberman, now Doberman sized and shaped yeah. version of Snoot <laughs> just Snoot. <laughs> jumps out of the shadow, uh, uh, one of the few remaining shadows in here for the, the Baron's light is basking most of it, and it jumps well, it's forward. a few long shadows behind the gentleman. And it, that's true. Oh yeah, okay, it comes up behind <laughs> Them, oh, but no! that is the shadow. <laughs> that is the shadow right <laughs> beside the guy, right beside the fourth one that is now like three steps well, back, back, and right behind the three there, <laughs> leaping out just from thin air from the shadow itself oh, comes Snoot. Yeah, oh. that's a good looking mini. Oh. Clean. So, shiny. so shiny. So chrome. As uh, uh, as oil vein can feel uh, can feel and now see Snoot react to the calling. 
Snooze, there you are. You see him, right? He's he's here. He's back. I I I see him. <laughs> what to the? Scrim <laughs> says it works. <laughs> and as the an uh, extra parrot for later, as Bearjaw lets loose the uh, the hammer of all souls uh, and it flies through the air, the fourth um, the the fourth bandit now standing next to this to this uh, uh, to this shadowy inky dog, like he leaps back and Snoot snaps over and just uh, immediately uh, leaps upwards and snaps. At the uh, <laughs> at the would be mugger's neck, ripping out his throat, and it falls to the ground. And then Snoot looks back forward towards the three that are there as the hammer of all souls smashes into one, and then two of the muggers, uh, uh, crushing their crushing the rib cage of one and uh, uh, and hitting and, and tearing off the finger of another uh, uh, as he falls to the ground, screaming, holding it. The last one standing. What does Baron do? <laughs> <laughs> Baron does love this. Baron just it I mean now there's only one standing. He bring, just awful good. Bring down Bring down Morden. Come on. Uh He's just going to go rob someone else, someone weaker and smaller. Uh we'll have a spell that like makes a person not move. Oh, I call that one killing them. <laughs> That makes them not move for a long time. Baron yells, just, we're gonna send you to the guards. Don't move. He runs. Okay, I got this one. And Snoot rips him apart. Oh, damn it! And disappears into the shadows. Now I have have to compete with the dog, too. Oh, Snoot. Okay, good job, dog. And uh, let me switch it back. Really, maybe comes back. You sometimes. did a good job. You are a good dog, dad. <laughs> Snoot. Or maybe you are the same person. Elvain now has access to the Hound of Ill Omen. It's just one hound of the. What is the hound of ill omen? As uh, oil vein, uh, as oil vein, as as Snoot disappears, as Snoot disappears, uh, oil vein feels that feeling return that Snoot is still nearby. He is still connected to him, ever present. And as you eventually uh, head back to the Golden Oak after perhaps I don't know looting these guys, looting these guys, the guards, definitely. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, I want to know if there are no... Baron heard about yeah. the hotel's going to cost us. He's like, oh, bloody hell. Oh, <laughs> see, this will pay for it. They have very little gold on them. Oh, uh, they are bad at their they job. Have, they have a few scraps of silver, and that's and it. copper, and, and rusty uh, sword. <laughs> Some good rust on that short sword. Uh, one of them is still alive, and you take him to the guards, uh... Because the only other pinky ripped off by the, uh, the something to remember me by the hammer of all his whole hand is crushed and broken like oh. tons of broken bones oh. with the a only finger completely ripped part off. Is, yeah. is his hand except for this part. It's like the, That's the shock, not coming the shock back. Rhythm. Lose yeah, and, and, and this is the, the equivalent of medieval times, and he can't uh, pay for a donation to the temple, so that hand's not going to heal normally. Clubbed. Uh, yeah. So you know, thieves deliver him to the guards. Simple enough. Report him as, uh, 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 as, as a thief and a and mugger. Be like they mugged me. Yeah, and there's three more back there. Dead bodies, bodies are. A uh, little bit of commotion, a little bit of getting the story from the group, and you head on back to the uh, Golden Oak. And this entire time, as you move to the guards, and move back to the Golden. Oak, you can feel this 
this presence, this closeness of Snoot the whole time. He's not still back there in the alley. He's with you wherever he is, and you feel that you can he call upon him in another realm when you need him most. I want to For a long while after that encounter, uh, Oil Vane just kind of nods to himself quite a bit, as if, as if saying to himself, there he goes, there he is. Communing so with his this own. This has a, like an oily a sheen boy. to it. That's nice. So we've got a couple things to admire here. One is uh, the mini of. I mean, obviously the mini is fantastic, but the. the uh, send that around. The hound of <clears throat> Ill Omen. You painted him, I assume. Yeah. So uh, tell me about the mechanics of the hound of Ill Omen. What's this all about? It is a uh, something that uh, Wolven gets from being a shadow sorcerer. Okay. She's I like a that. She comes with uh, that subclass. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, you can summon it. It's essentially like a dire wolf, but it has uh, a different scorpion tail. Like HP, and it's not a large. It's, it's still a medium. Yeah, it's a, and you can target like creatures with it, and they it just does its normal attack, but it'll just keep yes. going after whatever. You Jumping out of the shadows. That's super fishing. cool. Can we? I like that. The other thing I want to call out is our soundtrack for this entire uh, sequence is composed by Kevin. No. Oh. Yeah. That's one of. Oh, that is that one was of, so perfect. That is a Thursday night's original it. soundtrack. Amazing. What's it called? What's the track called? Uh, Shadow Blood Curse. I like it. Yeah, like so uh, it. I've now. That was, that was fun. I was like, that was really as we nice. all know, Kevin has composed many. This is the first time on a main <laughs> episode. I know it was used in uh, a side episode uh, that I've not actually listened to yet. It's not a podcast yet. Which one was it? It was not. It was the one, Baron's Wife, right? Was it Baron's Wife episode that you Baron's used? Wife. Your music oh, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah. yeah you did. Oh, okay. Kevin had it running So that one also used Kevin's music. But this is the first time in the one where I've jammed, uh, where we've gotten to play it. So I've, I've yeah, now this, set it up where any time... seemed, like, really developed. Like, really nice. It was too appropriate. Like, I was very like, good. Yeah, good choice. I was like, how long have you known this was going to happen this week? Uh, <laughs> how long have you this known? Is this is going to Answer me! We will never reveal the how secret the DM character plotting for individual story arcs. This is a sacred relationship. Sometimes DM it's a complete privilege. surprise to players. Sometimes it's planned plan for months and for months. For Giant Sausalito, and it just didn't happen. Yeah. It's just, no, it's been a long thing. Like you had yeah. to set up a Giant He's Sausalito finally stuff for this to make sense. <laughs> Snoot was a character before Olivine was a character. <laughs> the story is really about Snoot's. Well, I did have it before, but just to say, it's like the Hound of Ill Omen is a level six kind of thing. So. Yeah, trying to like figure out when how to, to like build up, but you built yeah. it into hey, it really well. I think mechanics. It's you a had lot. the mechanical, but hadn't had the the narrative reason for it. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. I mean, he got it in level six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like, I think you know, I was... working on he's still cooking the montage. He had the montage. He had to he had to eat it and vomit it up. Yeah, that's Ew, right. that's so gross. <laughs> a certain amount of pressing. I, I mean, that's what I'm going to tell my kid when he wants a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so bringing it back, bringing it back to the storytelling. Uh, I want I wanted to specifically call out the music because it was phenomenal. Thanks for you. Um, yeah, thanks for you. Yeah. And uh, so back at the Golden Oak, uh, Oil Vein is very much inside himself currently, and. Uh, well, I mean. Bearjaw, Scrimcorn, and Baron eventually turn in for the night. I assume. Yeah. Eventually. Well, Baron eventually. So do you? Do you? Yeah. <laughs> Scrim definitely stays up a little bit later. It sounds like that's in the same game. I mean, is there, like, is there it's a been party? Like a, a long day. Like, does Oil Vein go to sleep? Baron goes to sleep after Oil Vein goes to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> this is the same day that we got the elemental in the teapot. 
Yeah. Yes. Berto does not feel like sleeping. Day. It's yeah. same day. Scrim calls. Scrim calls night. down. And the day we got it was the day we tried twice. Yeah. Oh God. No. 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 We took a long oh, rest. We took a long rest. Right, 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 right. We camped out at Essence. Scrim. Yeah. You slept at Essence. Scrim rings a bell and the gal. And at this point, it would be a very late night. Snack and asks for them to bring up some grub foods from far off lands. And, and the, the person clarifies, says, are you uh, looking for uh, various delights from faraway lands, or are you looking for uh, live grubs? Specifically, <laughs> specifically grubs that are eaten by cultures outside of the Sword Coast. Is this something that you have any supplies of? I want to clarify that. You do want grubs? Worms? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course. It's past 11 p.m. One does not eat non-grubs at this hour. I'm unfamiliar with this tradition. I, I thought that was universal. I think the who, witches raised who eats you breads, wrong. Who eats breads and cheeses at this hour? It's terrible for the digestive system. I've been doing that for well over 100 years. You will sleep soundly with some of these delights. I'll never know if I would or not. Um, and and turns back to the to attendant the attendant and says, so "Do you have grubs um, for you?" I will check on uh, uh, the various suppliers around town. It might take some time. I am not personally aware of deepest apologies. Uh, the uh, live grubs from faraway lands, but and now that he's mentioned, I could actually go for some bread and cheese. Uh, bread and cheese, you will have straight away. Uh, <laughs> would, terrible idea. If we could not find grubs, although we will try our best, is there a secondary option that would be local? Grub? Uh, local sausages <laughs> are a bit like a grub; they're delicious. We do have many varieties of sausages, and we could have a chef uh, sort of twist the casing to look like a grub. Is pickled roots? Do you have pickled roots? Yes, we do have pickled roots. That will have. We pickled some just this morning. He says grubs first priority, but bread and cheese and some pickled roots just in case will be sent up. How about pickled grubs? Can you have someone classic glam? Twenty minutes later, bread and cheese, pickled roots of various roots. Arrive. Baron samples the pickled roots and finds them delightful. And as the night goes on, it's two hours later, which is very late, that uh, a servant returns and says, I apologize, but there are no live grubs from faraway lands to be found in Silvery Moon. Although the trade festival will be opening tomorrow afternoon for those those that have uh, bought a, uh, a ticket for early access to the trade festival, of course, and you may be able to find what you are looking for amongst the uh, vast uh, varieties of goods that will be on display outside the city. Thank you. And your leaves. Yes, Grim. Uh, Grim is feels uh, restless and is just like from the energy. Like he he didn't heave for two hours, um, and uh, and maybe stays up chatting with uh, with Baron. If, uh, yeah, if uh, Baron's up. Baron's amenable to a late night chat Baron on various leaves. subjects. Does Mock return? Are you <laughs> he he, he works all night. All night. Okay. He's like yeah, he's so back Mock, there. Mock never returned. And he's just like yeah, they're they're just going deep. And I mean, uh, Essen is with him yeah, the whole time. That's right. They're just they're basically he just he's too. This is an opportunity that he's been waiting. I for. would love an anecdote from the evening. Yeah, <clears throat> we can get the, the, the anecdote. We'll just say like the conversation. You know, 
leads in the direction of you know, Mock's, <coughs> Mock's ambition uh, to to combine some of the you know moderate level smithing that he knows with his exquisite high end gem crafting abilities, and they, they talk about you know the the kind of the, the the weaving lines of power and magical items, as well as kind of the different different kind of very delicate cuts you can you can you can uh, uh, etch onto to various gems and how. You know, he, he basically shows like the reflection, like kind of the refraction of light through some beautiful crafted gems, and you see patterns that are kind of similar to magical weaves in in in, 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 in artificing, and so they're kind of getting on the same page and, and, and talking about this theory. But in terms of the the actual work that's done, it's it's starting with the basics. I mean, it's there's nothing there's there 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 isn't an anvil here. So in terms of like, in terms of creating something, instead of like recreating the exact, uh, the exact uh, you know setup that Durgeddon has, that's not happening. But nor is it necessary. Just even talking with Essen about what needs to be happening, Essen has an idea of kind of what process may have happened and generally. Essen, uh, I mean Essen matches Mock's enthusiasm in talking about this oh, specifically. Cool. For um, would you mind getting saved from the door upstairs? Um, Essen has the capability uh, uh, and the proclivity to, to talk about this ad nauseum. Uh, you know, for someone that's uh, been holed up and isolated for the vast majority of his life, uh, he's say. certainly uh, <laughs> certainly not one to shy away from conversation. Is what Mock is immediately finding. So you're saying he has no like. Essen says, you know, I find it fascinating that you uh, that you don't understand. Uh, uh, he says that you have never. It says that you don't comprehend even uh, the basics of this uh, of this thing that I see so clearly, and yet you've accomplished so much with your uh, with your gem cutting and your uh, and your stone working. And, and he says, "How do you know where to cut and where to strike?" And uh, as he picks up uh, one of the rough cut gems that you're talking about, and he says. Can you not see in here the energy that flows as I hold it in my fingers? The energy that spreads from the edge of the gem to my finger and to my fingernail. And he uh, and he starts talking about and he like sort of gestures that this uh, that this like shared energy just moves through all connecting, touching things and says and says without understanding. He says the edges of the uh, of the precise. And he like looks very closely, and Mock can see like he's seen the concentration of a craftsman. And Essen, when he looks at this gem, he is falling deep into looking at. I mean, like Essen's eyes lock onto a singular point, and whatever Essen is seeing, uh, he's he like, knows. It's like it's like if someone hands you a pool cue and says, "Is this a good pool cue?" If you know nothing about pooling, you're just like, "I don't know." But if you know pool, you'll like look. You'll rotate it in a certain way. You'll handle it specifically in ways that will give you information about it. And what strikes S yeah. uh, Mock is unusual about Essen is that while Mock would want to look at the the shapes, the, clarity. the the he would want to look at the right, the, the imperfections, the geometry. He would want to look at lines, yeah. motion. He would want to see where feel the it. form changes. He would feel it to find where it feels different than other places. 
Essen is doing something different. His eyes lock on and he's focusing deeper and deeper and Mock doesn't see his eyes or his hand move in the slightest micron. I mean, he is just like, whatever Essen is looking at, he is looking at the smallest, tiniest point. And Essen says, it is beautiful and it is in all things. And then he hands it back. He says, he says, what you've been able to accomplish without understanding any of this. And he says, if we work together, uh, uh, he nods and he says, I think you'll be a great student. Mock says, well, there is much, there is much clearly to learn from your discipline. And in my understanding, any collaboration of craftsmen relies on the expertise of both parties. He says, and I will say that a true craftsman becomes an artist. And an artist expresses his craft in a way that comes from within. It speaks to things that cannot be easily laid on a page or or explained in some sort of of a sort of procedural procedural uh, instructions. It is it is something that you are speaking of one of the most ancient and sacred traditions of dwarven craftsmanship when you talk about the working of gems. And it is as much a part of me as a dwarf as is, as it is me and my fa- my family and me myself. He says the the sense of what is correct and proper and beautiful comes from that sort of place. And I have had to train all of my life to be able to manifest physically the things that I know need to need to be expressed in these gems. He says this 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 essence that you are speaking of. I, I'm sure it is a sense that I have not yet connected with, but I know, I know it to be right. He says, an artist. You are an artist more than a scientist. I. And he, the way he says it, Muck is the feeling he's saying it not in a positive way at first. Mm. Like an artist more than a scientist. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he says, but that makes the beauty of your art all the greater. Says, uh, and he, he gets sort of a frown on his face and he nods and he looks at these uh, gems and he says, it's fascinating. Tell me more about how you work with these and fade out. Fade out. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Essen continue their conversation uh, throughout the night. Later in the evening, Balanos returns back and says, oh, you're still here. Uh, I, uh, we've, uh, sure. We've, 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 uh, carved ourselves a place here. Help he us. says that, I don't care. I've got what I need. And she throws a, uh, she tosses, like, a huge gnarled, like, tree branch onto the ground. She goes thud onto the ground. And she says, and now I sleep. And she just falls backwards onto a, like, set of leathers on the ground floor. And now I sleep. <laughs> she just falls backwards onto them and her and eyes are shut. now slumber. Says, well, Are you still here? Right down. <laughs> this amazing heart to heart. I've been talking to us and I think we're so many. Whatever! <laughs> cool. Stop. No. Stop talking! It's a good line, but far from it. Like, Mark would love just to be left alone to do his work. <laughs> like, he's like, whatever. Cool. Like, we're, we're still good to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Another night. Comes and goes. Oh wait, hang on. Uh, what about Bear Jaw? Is she uh, oh, she Bear going Jaw. to sleep? No. Bear, oh, Bear Jaw left. 
Bearjaw left the Golden Oak. Bearjaw left the Golden While Scrimcorn and Baron were Dark. waiting for their food. Yes. And oh, yeah. beautiful time. Does Bearjaw say anything? Does Bearjaw say anything as she leaves? Yeah, she's, she's like, I'm going out, and then that's, that's the end she of the car. Yeah, she doesn't acknowledge it. Okay. Is she taking the hammer? Yes, of course she's taking the hammer. Wrapped, of all wrapped of in a towel. Is she taking her flaming skull helmet? Fuck yeah, she's taking her flaming skull. You never know when you need it. Doesn't want to get rained on. Is she taking her belt of dwarven kind? That never comes off. <laughs> of course. That should not. It's, it's a, a pajama. It's her most substantial article. It's of the only way she figures out what anyone is saying half the time. She can't read. It lets her read. She can't read unless she's wearing it. Oh, I hate right. for John about that. Power of written language. Yes, that's, uh, that's what we decided. It means a lot to her. Mechanically, it lets you read dwarven, and what we decided was she can't read common. So she when she wears it, she can read for the first it's time in her life. So it's like, like a superpower. She power. got it almost because it invoked the greatest life chain. Exactly. <laughs> More so than it was necessarily being so right. like a butterfly in the sky being. moment. She's yeah. like, there are stories. Oh, like what have you lived in like, I could be a society of psychics and you found a rock that let you for the first time telepathically communicate <laughs> right you never put that rock down um, when yeah. she leaves the scrim you may like it but I need it I need interrupts it. Uh, the, the, the thread of our conversation he says he says of really everyone we travel with I'm I'm least concerned of the safety of, of Bear John at this point. Thank what? you, Scrimcorn. No, no, this is after you've left. <laughs> She's oh, speaking after you, to herself. After you <laughs> thank you, Scrimcorn. I bet Scrimcorn is talking up. about how he <laughs> does how great I am. He's <laughs> probably complimenting me right, right now. Now. <laughs> no. Thank you, Scrimcorn. Alright. We might be in more trouble for it by the morning, but oh. I don't think any muggers are gonna get the best of her. <laughs> I mean, we just slayed some grand elemental tempest thing, and she She's still wants to go celebrate. Thirty-five hit points, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> and then uh, it goes back to what Scrimmore uh, wants to talk about is uh, the what he sees as an anomaly as someone who's basically raised a zealot um, of the the concept that people like Mock and Dresden are not worshippers of Morden. and what uh, oh, yeah. what uh, what their cousin thinks of that. Not as a criticism, but as like a how? Yeah, he is he is a worshiper of Morden, just not devout. Right, like, right. Like Morden is right. his god. Cool. We just want to make sure that, that you that's acknowledged. Yeah. But basically, why there's a huge difference? Yes. In the, the devotion and the piety of the three of the three, like it's a full it's a full spectrum. Because I yeah. feel like Dresden is the least yeah yeah focused on that. And so it's, and it's not a criticism. Like Scrim is like this is this is like, mock. Yeah, right. This, this and I'll see you on Easter. You know. Yeah. yeah. And then and so and yeah. So that's what. We, we can put that up, or we can also just kind of say, I feel like that's the topic of the theological discussion of the evening between the podcasters. Uh, I'm happy just letting say, and that was the topic of the discussion. Yeah. Uh, we could roleplay it out, but... And scene! Yeah. Good. <laughs> were there any highlights at least? Or were there... Does Bearjaw return before the morning? <laughs> nah. Okay, so when Baron and Scrimcorn and the Oil Vein awake, <laughs> Mock and Drewston and Bearjaw are all gone. Mock does not return members. before the morning? Uh, yeah, he, he works through the night, but like Daybreak is kind of like bleary-eyed, like, okay, well, should should probably be going back home. <laughs> like, he just, he, a night's work is a unit of work for him. I'm going to give it the night, and he'll give it the full night. And then when day breaks, he'll just, he's on to the next thing. All right. Oh, that's why my hit points were higher. 
I had that eight on. <laughs> Jerson arrives shortly after uh, uh, each of you. Um, th- those of you awake, uh, you know that Jerson's a very early riser, and uh, he walks in the door and uh, he walks in the door and says. Actually, he just he walks in the door and like sees Baron and Scrimcorn, sort of like looks to each of you and then walks straight to his room. <laughs> Baron doesn't comment. He's uh, busy with his own morning rituals, um, offering his prayers to Morden as he does, uh, and <sighs> taking out a pair of scissors and dealing with his horribly charred and mangled beard. <laughs> Lightning was not kind to it, and so he's like doing his best to kind of like roughly even it out. Uh, but he doesn't do a great job. Like he does enough, and he's like, "I'm gonna have to go to a barber." Bar. There's any dwarven barbers in Silver Moon? There better be a dwarven barber. They not an elf touched this. They don't know how to handle that kind of mane. <laughs> Justin uh, comes uh, back out, and he's got uh, uh, he's got a pack, and he says. Well, I'm gonna head off to the. Oh, I forgot what it's called. Reliquary. Reliquary. Oh, the, the, not the, the library, reliquary. The library. The library. I got it in my. The Sage's library. Was it the Sage's library? No. See, the library was different than the. Was the, the maps. Uh, well, oh wait, map no, the map house. house. So it was the. It was the library place. It wasn't exactly a something library. Something of sages. Yes, the something of sages. That's the. Uh, that's the one. I, I did forgot to have my Silvery Moon document open, but. Uh, Anyway, the something of sages. I'm gonna go to the something of sages. He says, try to smooth things over due to our missed appointment. He says, I'll. He says, I'll marry hear the end of it if uh, something, something. And he just walks out as he's muttering. He's muttering. He's not even bothering. Do you, you need to go? <laughs> no. He looks at you. Are you in good shape right now? Or He says, oh, wait, wait, to oil vein? To oil vein. Like, should, oh. should he go with you? This is about the newt, right? He says, oh, no, I got it. I'm just gonna make the appointment. I'll let you know what it is. All right, then. How was your night? (laughs) He says, (laughs) Glad to hear it. I'll never tell. (laughs) I'll never tell. Good door. That's a a bit of knowledge that isn't for everyone. (laughs) That's what he says. That knowledge (laughs) isn't for everyone. (laughs) And then he goes, All right, that's (laughs) just leaving. Harry. Um, <laughs> amazing. Bye, Justin. The wee lad Getty. <laughs> the wee lad. Uh, so Hello, Mana Onyx in chat. Um, <laughs> Alright. Alright. Mock uh, returns in yeah. the morning uh, to sleep? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he doesn't... Well, he, he returns. He's, he, to, to, to rest from his labors, whether that be sleeping or other, uh, yeah, just other activities. He comes back, looking bleary-eyed, but well-satisfied, determined, kind of muttering and thinking to himself. Working on the uh, old workshop, then? As I, um, Balanos... Oh, Essen is with you. Yeah. Oh. Right, do Bal- you have the teapot with you? No, no, we, we delivered that to Balanos. Yeah. The teapot, yeah. Oh, I suppose oh, he's yeah. working with it. Essen, uh... So he stayed? He would hang with the teapot. I don't know. He stayed behind when she left to keep an eye on the teapot, but... Essen stays back at Balnos's workshop. Yeah, when you when you head back, Essen uh, says, "Oh, if it's all the same to you, I will. Uh, I'd rather stay with the teapot." 
uh, all the work we put into this, I'd probably prefer that too. There's probably a few more leathers around here somewhere, but let us know if you need us to bring you anything. Uh, place isn't full of all the comfortable trappings of a hotel. He says, uh, yes, yes, uh, probably could use some food, uh, any venison, uh, and, uh, there are other foods. Marcus <laughs> rations, is there rations, like, for the, for the road, but he gives him some rations, and some ale from his gallon of ale jug, and he says, He I'll, eats and, I'll, like, takes an immediate yeah. bite and drinks some of that and says, oh, This is good. <clears throat> I, I, I try to stock, uh, I try to keep my own personal supply with quality. Uh, we'll bring you some more later. So yes, oh, we'll be back to work more uh, this evening. Please don't leave me. I'll see you then. I'm so lonely. Uh, so basically, comes back in muttering, kind of consumed with uh, a uh, very, very kind of night full of crafting progress. Uh, and yeah, just joins up, comes in and probably does probably does flop down in a, in a, in a chair just to kind of relax. Uh, Baron goes over and says, Mark, how was your uh, endeavors? Oh, it was fantastic. Essen, all those gadgets and life-saving enchantments and in the clouds, I can tell you, they didn't happen with no expertise on Essen's part. Um, perhaps his great-grandfather and Generations past were what set it up, but he's got a fair bit of knowledge in him, and we were laying the groundwork for uh, for exploring some of these theories of uh, magical enchantment and gem crafting. That ah, well, we're not much progress, gonna, but I was gonna say I was thinking, you know, Dragadin, famous, you know, weapons crafter and whatnot, but uh, you're 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 always been more towards the jewelry and whatnot. I know there's magic rings. We encountered one in the dragon horde. Maybe you could. Whip something like that up. Why? There's a. He says the 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 jewels themselves. I. It was only for a split second there that I saw the lines of power surge from Dergeren's anvil, coat the, uh, the 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 structure of of head shaver, and he kind of holds it. He says it was only for a moment, but he says those patterns were instantly recognizable. The 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 the, the light. Uh, refracting through uh, an emerald of a certain color, a certain cut. It was unmistakable, and I, I know there must be a connection. He says a way to combine crafting with our art- artificing and, uh, and and create create not only not only items of, of beauty but also of, of of power and a practicality, bringing to bear all my crafting skills. Oh, he says the possibilities are are, are endless. Well, I don't know if I can do anything to help, but if you can think of anything, let me know. He says, uh, I appreciate that. He says, perhaps, and, and kind of, he, his, he kind of, uh, draws, uh, Bear draws not back, right? Not yet. Bear draws not back. He looks back, he's like, there's a hammer of holes. He says, well, he says, if there's, if I think she went out to celebrate. He says, if, if we're ever going to, if we're ever going to create something truly great, the hand of Morden himself may need to be involved. Uh, that's a thought. Hmm. On that note, that's when Bear Drubble. Bear Joe walks in. Saunter in. She <laughs> comes through the door and is like, I'm hungry. He says, Is there food here yet? And he looks at the hammer. Oh, that's good. There's some pickled roots left. She's pickled like, roots and these are some scraps of bread. Food. One person. The cheese did not make it through the night. The cheese did not make it. <laughs> she rings the bell immediately. This is un. un no. No. Not enough. 
Ding, 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 bell goes. Someone comes by later and... Orders. Meats! More meats than meats. you can carry on one plate. Yes, of course. We've already started preparing the meats. Or two plates. Uh, we know what I need like protein. Lots of <laughs> breakfast. Meats. This body needs protein. I can really go for some eggs, actually. No one asked you. We are looking for meats right now. Can I get a couple of eggs? Says yes. Uh, would you like the finest uh, uh, pheasant eggs from the desert of Kalisha? We're keeping him. Pheasants or her. are in deserts, right? Pheasants are not in deserts. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know where a pheasant is. How do they keep eggs fresh from there, but can't get me a couple ants? I think pheasants are not uh, Just local eggs Listen, will be fine. Leave, leave some fruit on the ground long enough and, and the ants will just duck. come to you. And a dog goes and gets them. There's peasant fun. Pheasants are weird looking. I don't know what a pheasant is. I said it because it sounded like a fancy bird. It is a fancy bird. Well, then I picked the correct name. Fancy animals are not hunted in the desert. Those are mutually exclusive. Chef's choice on the preparation of the eggs. Oh, I hope it is the weirdness of the I hope it is uh, There is a boiled. shooting preserve located between Phoenix and Tucson called Desert Pheasant Recreation. <laughs> oh! And where uh, do you think those pheasants are? Does mean they have pheasants there? Are they happy? We are Are there agreeing. happy pheasants there? We're in agreement. Okay. They may ship them in from tall grasses and then release them to the desert because they have nowhere to hide. So easy. It's, it's fish in a barrel scenario. <laughs> 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 pheasants are like, fuck, with a tall grass. Alright, alright, alright. Back around. Back around. Um, okay, Bear happily noshing on her meats. meats, but she like cracks the bones of the like if there's a, like bone in meat, she like cracks open the bones, like gets her finger in there, like is like getting all the marrow out. It's like a whole experience. It's like you know how some people like eat crab and they crush it. And they really you know? Like she does that with, with, it. with the bones and like femurs and things like that. Right. Large animal meat. Scrim stands because because of the the, the conversation with uh, Bear with Baron. Follow. Maka Mak takes a hold of the of the hammer of all souls and spends some more time with it. Why? Like he takes it from her. Like yeah, he goes over and picks it up. It's she's not, not she's not carrying it. No in. no no, but like like. He doesn't rip you, it out of her. Do you ask first or do you just take it? Do, when you put it down. Unless you, it down it the unless you have it at the breakfast table. It's like right down there. Yeah, he goes and just picks it up. Like okay, he does okay. Often, uh, he, it is. It's it's a communal property, but Berto is kind of protective of it lately. This, this is, oh, is it, it's been it's been growing. Oh, no, this yeah. is good. This oh, okay, good. okay, no, I don't like that. She just keeps an eye on it. How does know? she? Like, what, how does yeah, she yeah, look yeah. when he yeah, picks exactly. up the hammer? This well, time. she just kind of gives him an eyeball. Like you better have a plan for that. What is she? What is she, she gives him an eyeball. And what does she say? You better have a plan for that. <laughs> he says. Uh, he says. Uh, Berta doesn't think anything without saying. Amazing. Uh, he says. Uh, he says no. No plan for this, but maybe for it's like, uh, and goes and just sits down in this chair and, and again like hold looks it, at it again. Hold it gently. You know he has. Yeah, he has Dragon, Dragon's armor. He has. Uh, he's he's his properly. Head but you just, it doesn't, even not attuned, it doesn't feel the same way as holding a world-level artifact in your hand. It just has a feel to it. You ever and throw so, it? Have you thrown it yet? Uh, nah, nah, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't fight with it. Uh, no, Berta's asking him, because he's, he's eyeballing it. <laughs> you should try to see that vase there. He I says, uh, get the vase. Uh, yeah, thanks, Berta, I don't wish to knock over one of these walls. I, uh... 
I'll, uh... Well, someone has a high opinion of himself. Thank I have you. a high opinion of the hammer. <laughs> he says that, <laughs> the, the, the power lies within. I'd pay for the wall. <laughs> he says, uh... Um, uh, he, he, he he's, he, and he's just... He's looking again at, at, at Craftsman after the night that he's had. You know... Revisits the hammer. He revisits the hammer and the, the beauty of the, the dwarven rooms. The perfection of the lines. And kind of, again, just re... Reorients himself himself with like truly the top of the pyramid. Hmm. Um, you know, Mark. Correct me if I am wrong, but you seem more interested in the form than the function. You do not you do not test it, you do not throw it about, but you examine it. How are you to know all of what there is to be when discussing this? Than to use it. Mark says you, uh, you do not. <laughs> you 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 look at it a lot. It says Berjas has have a, a, a great respect for you, and your your way of looking at the world brings a smile to my face as often as it brings chagrin and pain to others, huh? <laughs> he says mostly my mostly my enemies. Uh, as it should. He be. says, but. Uh, I live more, much more to create than to destroy. Mm. And I feel that my my life spent killing and and hunting is not the life that I would have preferred for myself. And I'm trying to find myself back, find my way back to a, a place where I can, I can build rather than break. You know, we are not as different as you think. We are both seeking triumph. Your triumph is different, yes, but that is our both of our goals. More, more so, I think, than others here. You'll seek triumph of creation, yes. I think triumph of defeating our enemies, greater enemies, your greater creation. There's a long road in front of us both. Mm. And, and we, long should it always be. He says, I, I, but... When you when you when you arrive at the peak of one mountain, there's always another mountain to climb. Ha ha ha! She raises her glass to that. He he he, he gives her a, a, a nod and a salute, and he says, he says, and he says, I, I'm sure you're you're feeling rather blessed having to fight this elder elemental evil, <laughs> uh, but you must uh, understand that for me, having the highest mountain I've ever seen in my life rests right here in my lap with this hammer and it is it is inspiring to have it with us may you always be so inspired how's the room looking I'd like to oh uh, the room is uh, I mean it's always tar go back into the dog what? All that weird tar that he threw up go back yeah, in the dog. Yeah, that was a dog. A that, that became the dog and then ran together, off. Or was there was a little bit uh, that's like splattered away at various points that remained as like a sticky, gross, like already like sort of like hard to like get off. Um, it's like someone put bubble gum on the floor or something. Yeah, not a lot. Like maybe tar. like like tar. It's maybe like tar floor. nine splotches. Enough that it's noticeable, but not. A huge mess. It's contrasting the otherwise immaculate. Yeah, because very clean. Otherwise, we um, can't clean that up. They're gonna bill us for that. 
<laughs> what? Has, it has to have this. Someone's got a spell for that, does it? Oh. Justin probably does, but who knows where he is? He has mend. No, he doesn't have mend. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Uh, I want to get a. I want to get a group therapy going around the room here. Uh, I want to get into the headspace of each of your characters. You've had a night to sleep, some most of you. <laughs> Actually, we've all had a night. There was some sleep. Everyone's had a night of various levels of bit. sleeping and other recreational activities. R and R. It's been a productive night. It's been a productive <laughs> night for many. I'd like to get Burns thoughts. Gassy from you, 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 you defeated. <laughs> you fought and weakened. Uh, captured. We captured. Elder element of evil. We defeated it. And you we defeated captured. it. Well, that was actually that what was made, defeat, man. That was actually what made me think about calling for this because I, I actually specifically want to know what Bearjaw's thinking, but I actually kind of like so to good. hear what everyone else. So good. But I like to hear what Bearjaw thinks about um, specifically. This is a creature that was trapped in a cage. Mm. Although she did just fight that direct that was trapped in the cage. She clearly has no problem with things trapped in the cage. No problem. Now that I say it out loud, it's a silly uh, question. So it's a creature that's trapped in a cage. It was it was hampered, it was weakened. I too was trapped. You fought it and you didn't need to also you didn't need to destroy it utterly, you captured it in a a magical hand. So hang on, hang on. We're gonna go around the room, I'm setting the scene. So hang on. Hang on. So okay. you've you've captured the elder elemental evil and brought Essen back, and now you're like back in Silvery Moon. Had a night uh, to think on it, various amounts of thinking or distracting your brain. Um, and how are you feeling about you know this this thing, these events that have been happening to you? There was also that attempted ambush on the way back that you just it was like nothing for you. Yeah, that felt pretty good. I mean, it's who been... wants to start? You were in the middle. I would say, compared to even like our trek through the swamps, the high moor, it has been hyper eventful. <laughs> even compared to that, like it's been a really intense 48 hours. Yeah. So, Mock. Mock is like, I would say, basically, since they, since they left Mithril Hall, he's been. He's been kind of coping with the situation by just looking at whatever is in front of him. There, there hasn't been a huge amount of like time to process. It's just like the whole the whole foundation kind of like shifted a few feet, you know, south when you know they they had that summit with Baron's parents, and you know what what seemed like it might have been a quick resolution to the issues of Karundrakar. And Adric again. He goes to he goes to Kurundrakar. He still is thinking f- very highly of Adric. You know, some of that is shaken. You know, the, the 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 man seems to be quite flawed, even though the reasoning is undiscovered. Well, let's go. Let's get this in front of the dwarven kind of powers that be, and they'll work that out. He comes in, and Adric is so entrenched that like there's just going to be no simple and easy solution. And so like that from that point on. He's just been kind of like one foot in front of the other because it's just he's he's trying to face down these mighty, stretching, all-consuming problems when all he really wants to do is go and craft. He wants to solve his problem, which is I need fifty thousand gold. You fucking pay my debt and you open my shop up again. And so like like that that tension there, the conflict that is that is looming large between these large events that are swirling. And his just need for straight fucking cash, um, he's coming with it by just you know by, by staring at what's what's in front of him. 
And, you know, one night it means sleeping in a ditch by the road while while the host of the hall looked for him. The next night it sees tromping through a swamp and killing giant snake beasts. You know, the next night he, he, he gets himself a nice room in, in, uh, in Silvery Moon, but in a very short time after that, he's fighting this these 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 crazy creatures um, and dealing with things kind of on a, on, on a level like very unexpected. So he he is, and I would say this 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 night he he took himself a night. This is for him. Like this <laughs> night in the workshop, like with Essen dealing with his shit. Like that was that was the <laughs> night's sleep that he really needed. He's just like, can I just push back on all the fucking wildness around? And just get back to what I'm trying to do here with my life, and so that time to just you know do honest work, kind of ex- explore his art, and come back, you know, grab the hammer has really kind of centered him a little bit, and maybe maybe now with the you know, a little bit more time in Silver Moon, time to build this, yeah, and 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 a long journey maybe that that awaits them. He'll yeah. he'll have time to really contemplate kind of some of what's going on and, and make some choices. That's so funny. Like contrasting yeah. Bearjaw, like she's like totally. So Bearjaw, dude, Bearjaw. Yeah, no, like absolutely. The like a very in the moment, very, very uh, focused on the triumphs of each each individual thing is like this increasing uh, intensity. Uh, she she didn't do too well with the ape situation, but that's because she didn't have her friends nearby. Uh, she does better when there are other people around. There's no shame in that. Um, she learned a lot about herself in that moment. Um, and then it, it, ratcheting it up to the level of the elemental tempest <laughs> creature is such a joyful triumph for her. It's like, absolutely, she's going to come back and, like, celebrate hardcore. Like, she shows up and is like, hey, let me tell you the story about what happened. She goes solo moot. Oh, totally. And just, you know, rocks it hardcore. Um, and that's that's her that's her her way of, of coping with with what happens is you know she she tells the story and she revels in it and then she comes home and she's like hey guys you know I'm back now let's eat some some protein and get strong do some more that's right you know it's like let's on to the next thing and there's almost like a, a little bit of a fear in her that like this is is this the peak. Is this it? You know, is this the best we're gonna do? Because is that a thing with Goliath? Like when you realize you had your, your greatest? It's like terror. you retire, right? I was never I was a CEO retire. for twenty you die years, first. and I retire, and then like five years later, no, no, no. Goliath, Goliath will never die of a heart attack unless it's during a battle. Do they um, always believe that their next fights around the their next fight? The that's biggest their fight goal. Is, okay. it, it's it's less of a belief and more like an actual gotcha. thing they'll seek out. Um, Long Bear Dog's challenge is um, she's, she's, she's like getting up there in the echelons of like she's like battling an elder elemental tempest and like that's pretty intense how do you one up that the, the, the like bandits in the alley were almost painfully low level for her at this point it's like they it's like the drug addict and you're just like this is this does nothing for me you know i'm like enjoying crushing your it's head like, oh, but it doesn't scratch the itch it doesn't do it so all the candy you have when you're a kid doesn't taste as good anymore i mean it unless you steal it right you have to you have to increase you have to increase the level somehow <laughs> you unless you steal it so you have to find some way to to exacerbate the issue say. um so you know so so there's a there's a fear in her that that like they get they're gonna get this ship cool where does that go 
because the next step needs to be an increase. This needs to be an escalation. Her life, all Goliath's lives, are an escalation until the until the bitter end where they finally meet their match, and that's the end. Yeah. That's the that's end. Nice. That's how Goliaths function. So she's kind of ratcheting it up here, and it's like this better not be it because she's. She's rearing for the next thing, you know, that's that's always the goal, is to be the Goliath that lasts the longest, while still challenging yourself. So, you know, there's kind of a, there's kind of the duality of like, yeah, I did it, and then also, ugh, <laughs> what's next? <laughs> Who's next? Um, Oil Vane's got a lot to think about. He's got a lot more introspective nature. <laughs> uh, Oil Vane is someone that... Uh, I think I'm realizing, too, that he latches on to, like, uh, especially the good aspects of his life. And then the main, you know, the main part of that being the fact that he's in this group and he kind of expresses how he feels about having his friends and best friends and everything. And uh, and sometimes that's to the detriment of other concerns in his life. Like, for instance, uh, Snoot was pretty sick for a while. And, uh, you know, he probably could have done a little bit maybe more proactive, but he kind of, I think it was something he kind of took for granted, and it was definitely a level of uncertainty in his life, too, that he was kind of like, he knew it was there, but he was kind of afraid to fully confront it. Uh, but now that... Uh, he's like, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be we're, fine. We're buds. Yeah. It'll be fine. It's fine. We'll, we'll be friends forever. It's fine. I mean, he's it's still fine. here. He's not going Until anywhere. I throw him up on a pile <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that's like well, the first that's... time that he felt uh, in this, like, you know... Uh, the last how many months or, or how much time he's, since he's had Snoot uh, that that kind of went away and he's like okay uh, yeah I really need to you know he has to like he he realizes that something that uh, he's experienced kind of the extreme of that of having it having something and then having lost it and now that Snoot has kind of come back in a way in a different way uh, he is kind of riding that high he's, he kind of latched onto that so it, you know, it is one of those things that allows him to kind of uh, possibly not necessarily acknowledge other responsibilities in his life. You know, he uh, he still appreciates his friends, but he is riding. He's some. He's kind of riding this high right now of like, I've got my dog back. He's a good boy. He's, he's uh, very you know, good. <laughs> and he's pretty vicious too. And he can like, you know, do damage. And he can. There's power. Attack. He's got. Yeah, You've he's got, got, got more power. Now. Yeah, it turned into something positive. It was the type of pain that became. You know, and it may be the false sense of security, like this was something bad that happened that turned out all right. Gross. So it allows him to kind of rationalize that a little bit of like, yeah, it's, uh, it's fine, it's going to be fine. <laughs> I mean, I've got my friends, I've got my dog, it's everything's good right now. So he, uh, he knows there's like, you know, dark times ahead, but it's not something he wants to focus on right now. He's just going to try to ride whatever good feelings he can in the moment and not think too far ahead of himself. Um, excellent. Uh, Scrimcorn, um, like, some of his thoughts are, are maybe not even the stuff that he's gonna, like, be discussing with, with Baron as, like, the theological stuff where he's talking about, like, the dorm stuff, because what's kind of, what's been on his mind and bothering him a little bit is less about, like, how do I feel about this? It's stuff that he feels very strongly about, but he's not necessarily discussing with the group. 
Um, and it really started when uh, when Aurora said she would plunge a dagger into the heart of any bandit. <laughs> <laughs> and Scram looked around, looked around the party and went, I am different from the people that I travel with here. Um, because we've had like multiple interactions specifically with bandits or muggers. Um, and just on that front, like he's he's like a neutral guy, and like he so he doesn't go no preserve all life like I'm going to protect them. Like he's definitely a like survival of the fittest standpoint. But the idea of like having extra malice or disdain for people who who prey on the weak is kind of like dude, you can't hate the tiger for eating the antelope, like or the lion for eating the antelope, like like. He's and so he doesn't look at the group and say we shouldn't be attacking these guys. It's just there's definitely different levels of delight in attacking or or being lethal towards like bands. Like every time we've had like bands that are like fleeing, Scrimcorn's like they've been routed. You know we've we've you know we've 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 gotten rid of the threat. Like we've gotten rid of the threat. And from the pragmatic standpoint of Scrimcorn, he's like the tiger defended his cub. See you later. They, yeah, they're gone. And so when people are like, I finished them off, and like like Baron had been hit by the bandits, and so there's a little bit of like a rage there. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, they like put arrows in me and like just destroyed some of these guys. And like Aurora finishing got a guy off, or these guys like in the alley when he's like, I'm concentrating on this. And he turns around and his group is like. Murdering. Really murdering these guys, and he's like, we could have killed one, and the other ones would have left. And he's very much not. You guys know he's not like trying to preserve all forms of life. He's not that kind of like hippie druid. He just sees himself a little bit, but in these he's guys. just like, that's from a totally pragmatic standpoint. He's like totally unnecessary. Like, and the kind of the return of the bandits was a little bit in that same vein, where like as much as I'm like sarcastic about like we go and like jump a family in the woods. So that's, that's like, the, the players. That's definitely not what Scrim is feeling. But there's a little bit of that vibe where, like, we definitely attacked those bandits without them seeing us, like, coming. And then when they came and they're like, you attacked our family, Scrim's like, totally rational. Fair point. <laughs> Fair point. We would do the exact same thing. And we would be, and we would be foolish not to. And so when they attack, they're like, you attacked our family. He's like, well played. <laughs> pit traps, love it. Guys in pit traps, these guys were like... They tried their best. And it was like they, they put it all out there. Yeah, do you do you chase them down? Scrim was like, no, game recognizes game. So Game recognizes um, game. So I gotta just ask a question please, uh, please. about the line that Aurora said, like, oh, let's stick my head. Did Scrim read any like, you know, exuberance of youth there? Or did because she's a very no. did he see read that I what you're or, saying. or did he see her as like, you know, an adult like anyone else? No, Scrim curious. Is... Just curious how he saw that. Let me phrase this right. Scrim is the type of racist. Yes. Pause for effect. Um, where he, <laughs> where he basically allows each individual person of a race or a culture or something like that to kind of speak for their whole group. So he's going to see that. Yeah. And so like when he's like, all dwarves love Morden. Yeah, identity politics. And then exactly. And then he's like, wait, this guy does like different scale. Like this is weird to me, uh, because in the natural world. You can study pretty much one wolf, and you got the wolves down, kind of thing. It's not a lot of variety there. The nuances. So when she like says, behaviorally, there's less. Yeah, there's less variety. Exactly. And so when she says, "I'll put a put a dagger in the heart of any of any bandit," 
starts looking hard, hard at all these dwarves. He's like, man, those dwarves really fucking hate bandits. Like, <laughs> dwarves so, hate and bandits. so you can see that as exuberance of youth, or really even see that as a special thing. Because he also knows that that mentality exists even within the party. He does not judge it. He doesn't even put that a point as a point against Aurora. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a reminder sure. for him, for Scrim, that he is like kind of talking about how he, like these friends and everything. And he's like, okay, I'm within this party, but I'm also without this party. I'm also on the outside looking in. That Scrimcorn's like, you know, I because, and and this is not a moral high ground. No, he just goes, wow, these guys really it, cling to these like an, cultural. What's your background again? Um, uh, I think he's Outland. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what like it is to be an Outland. Yeah. It's like I have a very specific, different thing, and everything else kind of blends and yeah. it's more similar. And so it doesn't mean that he thinks less of of, no. of his companions and he doesn't trust them less or anything, but. Then, all the way through with, like, while he has a lot in common with Bearjaw, with kind of this, like, primal, like, animalistic, like, approach, every once in a while, Bearjaw's focus on approaches. A, a warrior's one, greatest battle is always her next kind of thing, like that mentality. Mm-hmm. Scrim is totally not that, and when, when she's like, I'm gonna kill a monkey because it's a big fight, and she's like, and, like, delighting in the fight against an elemental creature, like, a... A natural energy, like Scream is very much when he talks about it's it. It's an evil energy. Yeah, he, he, it's, he, it's an evil energy, but like when he talks about it, like, okay, he focuses, he, he, he worships the witches and everything, but he draws his power from them and from like the natural, like, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to jump the in. The natural font. Essence power. was talking about the weave. I kind of wanted to jump in, I forgot to do that, but effectively, still like, can do it. he's like the he, natural world, like when he's drawing on this stuff, he's like drawing like the clouds from the sky kind of stuff for the storms. And so when we're fighting stuff, it is an evil energy, but it's kind of like, well, I mean, this is like, it's not like a demon or a goblin monster kind of thing, which Scrim views very differently as an well, it's, unnatural it's evil, creature. It's evil, but not malicious. Right. Like, it's kind of, it's trapped. Like, like exactly it's, what it's we're talking about. It's concentrated and unbridled. Scrim was much more conscious of the idea that it was a trapped, cornered entity. Right. Like, in a prison, and we were going in. Well, we talked about that a little bit, and I think that that kind of touched on Scrim's, like, mentality. A little more. It's and like so, the, the evil about it is that there's just too much power. Like, what if you took all the yes. power of the storms off of yeah, across two continents and you created one ball of it? Right? It's, it's imbalanced. Just, it's yeah. imbalanced. And so, um, and so this is not. Serum's not like a, in a bad mood, but I feel like he's kind of being reminded through some of these events that like he's like, yeah, bandits are like he doesn't see that big a difference between bandits and farmers. Yeah. Is what it comes down. So Bearjaw's like best mood. And Scrum's like, like, much, more, like even. Complex, much more even. Complex even. emotions. <laughs> complex emotions these days. Anyway, I don't need to keep going on, but that's kind of the mentality that he's like this, and so he's not delighting in these fights as much as he was like fighting so the goblins that were coming. Can I read into Please. the player description meaning something about Scrimcorn's current disposition? Is that. Did you mention the witches in your current mission in that whole description? Did I miss you saying that? He didn't talk with the witches in this. So you you didn't. That doesn't didn't. necessarily mean it's not in Scrimcorn's mind, but I want to bring it forward as a, right. as a question. Does, it, does this mean that currently, over the last couple days, that hasn't been a part of what Scrimcorn's been thinking about? Scrim's definitely been focused more on, like, the when he's been drawing his power and, like, and this stuff. The witches are certainly there, but, but like I was saying, like, there's the natural energy. Like, he's drawing his... Because he's really releasing, like, the lightning strikes... Are not like screams of the witches coming down like they're just get, lighting. As we see more like divine power, it's always more in doing that. And Scrim is not saying like witches, 
lend me your your lightning your pinky lightning kind of thing. <laughs> and like coming down, he's like calling upon the storm. And while he might be, you know, using Sometimes Grimcorn should say, which is grant me a spark from your <laughs> ever roiling storm. <laughs> just um, from your ever boiling storm. And then just look over at Just to see if Baron gets in the uh, he did. He did summon the witch again, who was super witchy. Right, <clears throat> right. and he. And but that's is, not one of the witches. No, right. That's not a witch. That's not as one of the three witches. It, it, it's a witch, though. It's, it's a, a. It's a, a hag. It's, it's a, a cackling it's, hag of healing. It's a cackling, <laughs> I actually, I think of it as a cackling hag, not a witch. And okay. Strim has not been explicit. <laughs> Dead potato is it has not has not been explicit about what exactly is happening during healing spirit, and I'm glad there are differing opinions on it. I couldn't be happier. Uh, and the witches couldn't be happier. Baron thought it who had something to, to do with the witches. Who wants so to know? That's not what it is. He's confused. Um, so, so there, there's always a theme in there, but definitely, yes, acknowledge that, that Scrim is not... For example, in our theological discussion, Scrim wasn't like, let me tell you about the witches. He was more like, let me understand the dwarven culture more. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I think it just like the, it speaks to this theme of like when the chips are down. Like we all have all these things that are happening at a high level, right? You know, crazy like I don't know in, in, internal development with oil <laughs> kind of I, evil. Sum that up. <laughs> you know, Mock wants to pay his tab. Scrim's got these these pretty tight-fisted overlords. When the chips are down, you have to fight an elemental evil. You kind of like get with the program. She's very pragmatic. And and, and yeah. Baron may be an exception to that, calling on his god in battle. But like that may be a little bit more of a cohesive thing. We'll see in a second. But at least for these guys. Like, like, I think I was just saying, like, Mock kind of just suppresses everything that's important to get the job done. It sounds like, yeah, you're not thinking about your larger designs. Scrim is very much on the same in the page. Moment. And we've talked a little bit about Mock and, yeah. and Scrim being similar in that when, like, when there's a job to be done... Let's take care of business. Take care of business and then, and then maybe deal with details. And that's very much so the case where he's not, like... Like, his prep in the morning, just a final thing. You're talking about how he's, like, praying to Morden. I wanted to jump in there. Scrim is putting all of his components out and he's putting like the rat tails and the bird beaks and reconstituted like, hair and like yeah th- exactly the 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 heret, like, by the way the heret is chewed upon it is not consumed so he <laughs> did all the uh, he, he did take the heret again so he has it so it will be used again does it um, get did, did everyone see Eric's picture yeah. <laughs> of the <laughs> heret amazing <laughs> i did not really <laughs> gross <Yeah. laughs> so that is the see some carrot that man. is the heret but there's also plenty of hair like he hands it to someone and they're like is this a carrot and he goes <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By your so, in, in your tongue, you would call it a tiny So gross so, looking. So, um, so like, like his his prep in the morning is um is all of the like the witch like components. The the eye of new eye tongue of, of leg. Exactly. That kind of stuff, he's not sitting there praying to the witches saying, please grant me your strength. It's almost like the knowledge yeah. that the witches have given him have given him access to and this. And that's, and that's what, like... There's a certain practical reason, like, I feel like a practical reason why Grimcorn might re- uh, rely on kind of these, uh, these uh, local, ingredients. local ingredients and ideas. <laughs> because it's Farm like, table recipes. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, there's a thing with the witches. If you invoke the witches, there's a cost. Like yeah. villages burn down every time you ask for something, or a guy's baby gets put in a little puddle of ice. Yeah, you guys have not middle. heard him call for the witch's help ver- verbally. That that like full stop like definitely confirmed. Yeah. You guys do not hear him like being like, "Oh, we're in trouble." 
witches save us. Like, yeah. that's definitely not happening. Like that something right. bad would happen. Let's go to Baron. Baron! Um, Baron. So Baron is, yeah, his mind after the fight with the muggers in the alley, his first thought was, that was really, really trivial. And then his mind starts thinking back to the other various recent events. The ambush where he had 19 people shoot at him with poisoned arrows <laughs> and four of them hit and he was fine. And he was totally fine. Uh, totally. And uh, and then battling the Tempest and then he starts kind of going back and thinking and then he starts thinking his own attitude about the Tempest like, yeah, let's just do it. It'll be fine. And he's like, what? I was just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and he's starting to realize he's He's come to the... He's realizing this idea in himself that it seems like whatever we're putting our mind to, we're being successful at. And then he's thinking, which Melee then puts him all the it's times like the we secret. haven't been successful. He's thinking of Erky dying. Yes. And he's thinking of Drustin uh, dying. dying from... yeah, Also dying. Um, but those are like pretty minor as far as the list of events that have occurred. Like... Obstacles. Our failures are way outnumbered by our successes uh, in in recent months, and he's thinking back to himself setting out from his home, uh, sort of fresh with grief from his wife's death, and on this sort of maybe fool's errand or mission or whatever to just you know the the thin veneer of yes, go seek out lost dwarven ruins and temples, but his sort of like I'm going to go be a I don't know, find something, some way to get my wife back or something like that. And uh, and sort of surprised at the sort of level of success that he's found thus far. And thinking of the things we've done and at the same time of the lore he's heard and like realizing he's, he's not just some dude anymore. Like, he's not just some guy on the road, some random dwarf, some random person. Like, he's doing things that are up there with what the people from the stories that people talk about are doing. Does Baron stop to think, am I a protagonist? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, 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 his dad's proud of him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. What the fuck? That's true. Uh, So there's there's that, and then also, so on the other hand, like, okay, it seems like things are going remarkably well, but then also faced with the absolute weirdness and total unknowability that is oil veins, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, are, like, how well are things? Things are going well. How well are things going? Hard to, char- knows. Hard to characterize. We agree they're going well, but how well? Uh, and so it's it's strange, but so it's sort of coming to the realization that he is very much not the dwarf that he was some months ago. Double it's months only ago. been like the Sunless Citadel and traveling on Grumbar's balloon to Oakhurst was only months ago. Like, it's been less than a year since he first set out. Uh, and he is very much not the same person that he was. And then at the same time, realizing that he his problems are not solved. There are still, like, noting where he is now and what he's going to have to the theoretical power that's going to be required to bring his wife back is still an immense gulf. Um, And the unknown things that are out there. So it's sort of like he's come a long way and yet he sees the vast uh, distance yet ahead of him. 
That's sort of where he's sort of just sort of taking stock of where things are. That's where his at. Ed's at. Amazing. Excellent thoughts all around the table. That's what do group therapy. Let's Grumbar thing. Grumbar is thinking about the clouds. Grumbar to himself. Grumbar is hoping that those people, my his friends, talked to Balanos about getting a simple repair done on my balloon. Very straightforward. Hoping that. Balanos will be ready to do a bit of leather stitching on the balloon and perhaps a bit of it's repairing fine. the cracks that have formed in the fuel patty. And form. if I'm feeling crazy, a pillow. Grumbar thinks he will be in Silvery Moon in two days. Winds have been great. Excellent. <laughs> I have lost track of how much time has passed and what he said his ETA was. That sounds like a great place to just be. Okay. He's two days away. Or Kel can tell us what the right answer is. <laughs> Kel would definitely yeah. know what I don't think. I think he originally said like a couple weeks. Yeah, well, two no, days. two days. <laughs> nice. hey, remember that time we did 80 miles in a day? <laughs> yeah. He Very strung, you can roll that a couple times he's, in a row. He strung the, a couple of those together. Well, there was a huge regional weather change that just happened recently. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Never mind. He'll talk about that when he arrives. A okay. section. Done. Thank you. Yeah. You've given me an excuse. So low yeah, pressure front coming yeah. over here. A whirlpool with, with <laughs> silver moon at the eye. That's a called a post frontal. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, that'll be the a little, bit, a little bit more of a tease than a full frontal. <laughs> mm. Post frontal. It's like backwards or forwards. No one gets so. It's the mystery Do that I like. The days <laughs> come and go. Uh, do we get that meeting with the sages? Not until Juston's back. Not okay. until Kevin's back. Fine. So no. Because it occurs to Baron that this might be a good place to get some information about Snowbane. Yes. That's a good thing. So, as I was saying, yes, the days come and go that. in Silver Island. As uh, the group is in some fashion waiting for uh, Balanos uh, um, to, to finish preparing this airship, whatever it will look like, Balanos won't talk about it. Since and when pushed, she says that the reveal... Is as important oh as the work oh, itself. No, she's wow. lobs. So <laughs> I know. I'm saying like this is where personalities get directly injected into characters. Too, too real. She says the waiting, darling. The waiting. It is as much as uh, it says it grants as much satisfaction as the conclusion. He says, I'm you must sure. wait, you must wait. Of course. Uh, when pushed. Uh, but Mock continues to work in uh, her workshop. He, he does. And shortly after the immediate scene that we concluded, Mock learns of the uh, <clears throat> deal that was struck to pay triple the price for the next two weeks. <laughs> so we'll, we'll play out a few scenes here. <laughs> um, so Mock learns about the, 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 the time... Or, or the money, the contract that was signed by Scrimcorn yeah. to pay uh, triple the rates for a, for a locked-in two-week uh, commitment. Amazing. And uh, how much is that going to be, by the way? Like, what's well, that, that number? Two, about two Gs. I was getting 150 a night times 14. So much. Uh, how much was it originally? How much a night? 45. It Less was 45. Oh, so it's about 150 per night for two weeks. 
And that's not including anything we put on our tab. Yes, that's true. You mean the food and stuff? I, I think that's t- a t- t- Yeah, it's, it's all-inclusive. Mm-hmm. No, I was not sure. Yeah, you're welcome. Bearjaw you acts like it. <laughs> 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 Amazing. Uh, yeah, so other scenes. So, uh, uh, yeah, the the days come and go, and um, Drewston uh, says that, uh, tells the group that he has, um, he has managed to set up another arrangement with the uh, the sages uh, to speak, but it will be in a few days' time, for they are as busy as everyone else seems to be with the trade festival, mm-hmm. and so uh, uh, he says that it took some negotiation and some talking. Uh, there was a bit of a disappointment that, that, uh, uh, that you two did not show up to your appointment on time, but he was able to speak to the right people and share the right uh, anecdotes about some what he's seen. condescending looks over. Um, and then uh, Drewston, <laughs> Drewston tells the group that he's, got, he's, gonna, he's very busy uh, with the reliquary and the trade festival. Business is good. This is the time. So many yeah. eyes coming through the town. He says he's got to help Gary. He's got to spend he's gotta every gotta minute with Gary. Days. He's got to work Gary's days and nights Gary. with Gary to make sure that Gary understands yes. how to run the reliquary and that Gary is taken care of and that Gary's stress satisfied. levels are not too high. And so Everyone has is, at least a 10 intelligence. We understand that's a 180 from what he originally <laughs> told Gary about. Yeah, it's yours, man. It's your business. Do whatever you want. He's like, breaking his back. <laughs> getting his reliquary up the ground. <laughs> Get out, right? He is yes, exhausting work. Yeah. It is very exhausting preparing Time Gary for, for all of the hard Some times ahead. And uh, <laughs> so uh, Drewston heads off uh, to unknown to Gary. purposes. And to Gary. Uh, he's checking in. He's to, Gary. to Gary. To Gary. To Gary. <laughs> oh, is, there any, is there any more? Yeah, I think it's more than that. Keeps going for more. No, you have to respond. All no, no, uh, no, Dickens. I'm straight. More. So, um, in addition, uh, let me wrap my head around where we're at. Okay, so, Aurora comes to your room one morning. Oh yeah, Aurora. Aurora. Oh, little Aurora. It's a little. It's a. It's a. It's a medium strength knock. Medium strength for a dwarf or for just a and uh, it's a sometime when Mock is there, so it's in the morning. Mock has returned from his work, and most people are there. Let's just say, and uh, Aurora comes in and she says, "I have, I've completed the task." Mock says, "Excellent." Let's have it then. And she's got a bag, and and she she looks a bit hesitant. He says, "It is very well." Do you have uh, a sort of presentation in mind here? <laughs> she says no. Um, and she pulls out a dagger. Mm-hmm. And uh, she holds it in two hands and presents it towards Mock. And Mock can see that there is a gemstone uh, set into the uh, uh, into the crossbar, right? Is yeah. that what it's called? The crossbar oh. of the... Uh, of the dagger, and what a dagger even have a crossbar? Yeah, a hilt. A little. Could yeah, be. it's got a hilt. Yeah, it's got a yeah. Hilt. And uh, and she presents it, and she says, "I've, I've, uh, I've cut and prepared the gem and set it into this dagger." And she says, "Has it?" I'm great, thanks. I'm okay. She seems she's she's hesitant as she as she hands this to uh, Mock. 
And she says, I hope it is okay that I uh, put it in a weapon. Of course. And then she, like, perks up with that. And then she hands it to him. Excellent. Uh, I do want a d20 roll. That's important for me. In addition to narrative, I want, want a d20 roll. The idea was when I when Mock tried out for the services of all the glitters, it was narrative and a roll, and I'm interested in both as well. And I have plans for how things will go depending on both. All right, that's fair. Uh, so yes. He humbly requests. Uh, I humbly right? request. I humbly request. That's fine. No, 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 no. I, 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 I accept a request for a roll. We're here to roll dice. God damn it. That's what I'm saying, man. I like that. Uh, it's an eleven. Solid. <clears throat> Mock inspects that. The dagger. Please. Is there is there more of a description? Do you want yeah. me to contribute Mock, to that, or how how do you? I want mean, this? I assume Mock spends quite some time. Yeah, this is not something he takes lightly. And she she sits down at the table in a, in, a, in a cleared area as Mock is. Uh, I assume Mock's taking out a jeweler's lens. Well, yeah, that. I mean she she's again. She she didn't have to offer more than the jewel, but doing so brings the entire piece under scrutiny. So he's testing the edge of the dagger and like the strength of the iron and like oh, it just, here we go. It becomes it becomes a full piece. Here's what it is. It's the gemstone is set into the pommel. Because this is a picture that Kalen just found, and it's awesome. It's, yeah. uh, it's set into the pommel, and she's she's like fidgeting a bit as Mock is looking at this, and she says, "I did just purchase the dagger itself." She says, she "says but I," he says, "but I created the setting myself and set the gemstone into it." I and she's. Mock is Mock has worked with a lot of people. A lot of people have worked with Mock. Yeah. Reading the the performance of sort of employees that have worked under him, that's old hat for him. Yeah. And while he had, maybe hasn't done it in a long time, this sort of thing just comes back. And he's worked with enough people to to read sort of what she's putting out. What she's getting at. He gets the feeling that this is someone that thinks that she's perhaps cheated at the assignment is is the, what she's putting off. She's got this this hesitancy and, and she says, I and she takes a deep breath and she says she says I'm not as good a gem cutter as my father or my sister. She says, I says, of all the teaching my, father's, my father has given me, there's one that has stuck with me the most and it's that we can only be truly uh, we can only become true craftsmen at a craft that we are passionate in. And she says, and I have to say that cutting gems for the sake of a cut gem, she says, it's not where my heart lies. And uh, and she says, I struggled for two nights, let's say it's two days later, yeah. uh, for two nights trying to figure out how to put my passion into this gemstone and I couldn't do it. She says, so... Till I thought about stabbing guys. Just, but then I thought about stabbing that... Bandit. Stabbing that bandit? She says, so I decided to bring it into what I do have passion for, and that's the adventure in life, and the what you've shown me two nights past, and the... She says, the... 
greatest two days of my life. And she says, and I decided to, uh, to set it into something that represents that time that we spent together and represents the, uh, the opportunity that you uh, had given me. And says, and so, and she says, and so I had, I had cut it for the purpose of setting into a pommel. He says, uh, and she sits back like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like she, and he, he gives it, he gives it its due diligence, and uh, you know, looks at the piece differently, knowing that the the, the dagger was was purchased, but uh, in the in the end, he smiles. He smiles legitimately. It's not, it's not gruff. It's not, the, the words that he speaks are not harsh. And he says, um, he says, Aurora, you've set you've set the right course. He says, your your jewel crafting skills are 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 young, but are are excellent. He says, the 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 jewel is cut proficiently with good angles and. You've selected a you you have selected a a pattern that is uh, appropriate for this sort of work, both uh, both decorative but uh, robust. If you were to smash the head of a goblin, it it likely is not chip as uh, as uh, as deliver the, the the crushing blow and be ready for the next. He says, and and there is there is she's blushing. She's like, she's got the composure of someone who's sitting in front of a boss who's telling them that they're getting a big raise and they're trying to be cool about it. (laughs) But they're really like, oh, I'm freaking out. I killed the last two quarters. He says, says, there is is clear skill behind your work, but the words that you say are true. Your passion is not jewel crafting. For... The selections that you've made, while appropriate, while the cuts that you have done are exact, they are textbook. They are by the book. They are as your father would have taught you, as I would have taught a young student. And the flair of artistry, the the desire, is not in that jewel. He says, but you prove to me by mounting the jewel in that dagger that you understand where your passion is. And I suppose it will be an opportunity of yours, as far as I see it, to try to bring some of that exactness and training from your jewel-crafting heritage into the fighting arts, where you severely lack, and I think you still <laughs> might get yourself killed. <laughs> Says, Her eyes grow a bit wide as she stands up, like next to the table. He says, "He says, and like on all of my my kin and companions here, we should all very well be dead several times over." Uh, he says, "But but we are all here fighting." Just there were twenty-one crossbows pointed at him. <laughs> he says, uh, "Nineteen. He killed one before it went off." <laughs> Well, I've been telling everyone 21. <laughs> I thought there were only 20. What was it? Well, how many? Actually, I don't even remember now. Actually. I, heard it, I heard it was 10,000 last time I heard it in the bar. <laughs> so, so, I says, yeah, you're, you're a dwarf with some skill, be it in the wrong, the wrong place at this time, but you're honest with yourself, and you've been honest with me. And he says, and on, on that honesty, 
I can build some trust. And that, to me, is what this is really about. Because when we head out the door, when we leave to whoever in God's, in Morden's earth, knows where we're headed next, uh, there is, we, we, we simply don't know what we're going to face. And Trust is the true command. We will, uh, he says, he says it'll, it'll only, it will only ever be our survival if we can trust one another. So, be, stay honest with yourself and stay honest with us, and we may get through this yet. Good job, Ramon. He says, so, that means a past. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my test, but hell, there's six of us. Go talk to the others. <laughs> and he goes back to what he was doing. See, oh, Baron, the wide eyes, the, room, the wide eyes and the, like, the face drops into, like, a, what? What? Yeah, exactly. Six more? Five more tests? <laughs> and she looks around, she looks at Baron. I mean, if we're there, like, we talked the other night, everybody was pretty much in agreement, you were fine, unless somebody had something they wanted in particular? No, she already fought me, that was pretty good. Well then, Scrim? Um, uh, he, Scrim, uh... Don't go, make her eat a bug. Um, Don't do it. Mo- motions her over, he's nice. What a parrot over there. Sit, sitting in a parrot. chair with, uh, with some, some pickled, pickled roots that he's eating. Uh, and, uh, motions her over and, uh, hands her, um, two good berries. And says... <clears throat> She looks uh, Which one's better? Uh, so she has not been. She did not have a good berry during the She's elemental fight. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, and he says uh, these will save your life, but my companions say they're a little unpleasant going down. Eat one now. <laughs> so you're used to it. And what do they look like? Um, it's it looks like a little spoiled blueberry. She like, looks at it, so there are wrinkles in her nose, and then shrugs and eats it, and then the look on her face. <laughs> it's turnt. Uh, uh, yep. They're not wrong. <laughs> I hope you weren't planning on any big fancy meals later, because you'll find you don't have much appetite. They're quite filling. And yeah, as you're saying this, her that's when her face like looks and she, she, she goes, whew. I'm quite sated. <laughs> He's a strange. That's in a that, in that, I don't want to eat anymore. He's a now that you've had one. I want for nothing. You won't, you won't flinch when you have to eat one when your life's on the line. And uh, and he hands her the other one, and uh, and he says, "Keep this for an emergency." Welcome to the team. Well, uh, goes back to his corn cup. Check out my new dog. Just look at him. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's uh, engaging in the conversation. He's like, he's always kind of looking out of the window now and thinking about new dog. Oh, uh, but he, uh, he, he's been listening and he's engaging in the conversation. And he, uh, he looks around the room at people's faces and he looks at Aurora. And he says, uh, "Well, I guess it's official now. You're one of our best friends. You're one of us now." <laughs> and she smiles and says, "I, I." I don't know what to say, I didn't think. And she says, I'll, where, where if should- only I had prepared a speech. She says, where should I be? <laughs> oh, uh, we'll probably leaving the town in a few days. Uh, a few days? Uh, accommodations here are a bit expensive. I would uh, prepare your things. She says, and, uh, I, I, I do have a house. 
Very good, yeah. I, I thought I wouldn't stay here with us, so because it's expensive, as I said. <laughs> <laughs> Although it is all inclusive where food is concerned. She she looks around and she says Oh she says, Yes, it's the trade festival. This is probably a fortune. Uh it is. <laughs> Scrim smiles. Scrim sees the discomfort at Mark. Scrim smiles and looks over and says, Is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of those things where Yeah, I mean yeah, I, I, I would I would I would say that the moment of reveal was one where <clears throat> Mark Let's jump back to that in a moment. Yeah. Let's let's uh, let, yeah, yeah, let's yeah, yeah, let Aurora yeah. leave. Please. Um and she says, I'll prepare my affairs. She <coughs> says, thank you so much. He says, I'll uh, try to carry my weight. Have you met Balanos yet? Did we take you to her? She says, oh, I know Balanos. Right. I mean, You're, that's probably good enough, then. Does sort Balanos of, know her? In, in, in passing. <laughs> she said something about everybody's going to arrive in the airship needs to, she needs to see them or something. I don't know. She needs matter, to but. measure our cubic volume. <laughs> uh, uh, the, 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 the impression, uh, was, like she was all set. I'll just tell you and you can figure out how to reconcile. No, she just wanted to look at you and see if she thought you were strong enough to go fight the Tempest. Oh, that's what that was. God damn it. That's all. <laughs> damn so you, Bellinos. So tricky, that Bellinos. She's like, I need to see all of you. She's like... 50-50. Yeah, 50-50. This is yeah. from the airship. That Everyone was a great odds. Right get the teapot. Everyone flat. <laughs> Changes the aerodynamics. Uh, like some fast moves. That being said, I assume that <laughs> Baron may not understand that that was the idea. She says, well, I'll go, I'll, I'll go stop by Bellinos on the way home. Right now. Balanos will be sleeping and Great. not give a shit. Uh, <laughs> and she bounces out of the room. Aww. Yeah. Oh, to be And then you hear a scream. What? Just a second later. Does like And then you realize it is a scream screaming? of cheering. Oh. Gotcha. I'm like, well, she she got in. She, she tried. may have had the shortest run of all time. <laughs> <laughs> It reminds me of my daughter. She went full Erky. Yeah. <laughs> Never go full Erky. No. Erky survived that combat. I'm in. Just not the next one. <laughs> uh, Erky survived like three combats. Okay, but what about? He never made it to. Were you joking about the screen? No, I was not joking about There's the scream. There's a real scream. She's, okay, she's what's cheering. the scream about? No, no, I said it was, a, it was a cheer scream. Oh, she's It was a teenage girl screaming in excitement. The Beatles are coming to town. It was like as she was okay. leaving the door of the she Golden made the cheer squad. She held decorum yeah. for as long as she could, and then it was like a scream exploded of... out of her. A shriek of joy. It was a shriek of joy. Beartown doesn't know what that sound is and thinks she's in It's too high above her It's way too high above her hair. What was that noise? <laughs> All right. Someone called so, mock. <laughs> Joy? What the fuck is that? Well, let, mm, let's see. We've got a bunch of mock. Okay, so. A bunch of mock things? Yeah. Days, days come and go in Silvery Moon. Aurora had come a couple days later. We're going to jump back and forth in time a little bit. Just like tell a couple stories about what's uh, going on during these these few days until you're, until you're waiting. You're waiting for the arrival of Grumbar. Uh, which you're still expecting to be like a week yeah. or so away. I assume eventually Mod buys the gem for Baron at some point. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's purchasing of gems, but again, Grumbar says two days. That's two days on average. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that was not what it's he not was reliable. not communicating that to you guys. Totally. That was uh, that yeah. was our, our side. Was, uh, the camera got to see that. Um, and uh, 
let's get uh, let's get a scene of 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 mock uh, when he, after he learns that Scrimcorn has essentially uh, signed a contract for the two week stay and bear job at three hundred percent rate. And uh, it, it's 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 one of those things where it's actually a, a bit of a departure from the normal mock volcano. Volcano. Because Mokano. the volcano, you hear you, you you see the rumblings, the tremors in the earth. You know the cracks on his forehead, and he just like <laughs> and he gets the bubble. He's heating up, and then he just kind of like. <laughs> like steam out the ears and he kind of just puts his head in his hand and he says I should have known <laughs> he says uh, he says Scrim yeah, you'll always be you and there's no change in you and I'm not here to do it he says perhaps I better take an, a more active role in our finances going forward enjoy your roots I'm gonna go talk to the management downstairs. <laughs> All uh, right, and the so we'll, exit we'll, stage left. We'll we'll see there. Um, scene. What's, what's Oil Vein doing day in day out uh, during during these times? Um, <laughs> he's kind of in a weird state right now, where uh, he goes to the park uh, maybe at least once a day uh, by himself and holding like a ball by himself. <laughs> He by himself and uh, you know, kind of uh, you know, among the trees, you see him tossing a ball, and then somehow he gets the ball back. Most people that are walking by don't really understand that uh, there is a dog that is uh, playing fetch with him, but of ill omen, of, of ill omen. But he's just like hanging around with him, and even when he's around the group, sometimes when you turn to look at Oil Vane, you know, you see him kind of crouching, like facing away, like he's petting something. But when you actually look. That's in your peripheral, but when you actually look at him, he's just by himself. So you see kind of the specter of a dog kind of around him. Uh, you know, the hints of the presence of a dog, but you never, when you look directly at a little thing, it's never actually... So we never see the dog, like, mock... Just momentarily. Sure, yeah. it's like it's fleeting. Like, you know it's there, it's just like you can't, it's not within, like, your focus. Uh, just on, 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 in terms of a casual sense, you know. I think uh, it's... Uh, it exists but doesn't exist uh, on the, regularly speaking. But, Does it yeah. weird people out who are walking by? Or do people who are walking by aggression always playing with a dog, but they never actually see the dog? Uh, they might feel uncomfortable, a little bit uneasy, because they don't necessarily know what they saw. Because if they want to go inspect, uh, to say, was that a dog? There's no dog there. For, you know. hmm. So it's uh, it's just mainly kind of something that uh, Oil Vein is experiencing. Uh, but you, you, as the group, kind of are a little bit more, you know, I mean, there's no explanation that Oil Vane offers to the group, but you know that it's Snoot, and you know that the dog exists, but it's just that it's so kind of peculiar in the way it behaves that it's just like, you know, it's not necessarily uh, doing anything different than what Snoot would do when he was a, you know, a little puppy, but you just can't really see him as much as you, you did before. Mm. All right. What's uh? It's a little creepy. Yeah. Well, let's <laughs> so jump creepy. to Mock. Mock. Talking to management, <laughs> Golden Oak. That's right. He's able to. Basically, there is an issue of rate, and then there's an issue of time. 
And uh, <clears throat> he proposes that if he's able to fill up the calendar beyond the two weeks, like, you know, book some guests beyond this extra two-week deadline that they give, you know, they take the 3x modifier down to 2x for them for the first week that they're staying. It sounds like they're going to be there about a week All rather right. than two. So give me just give me a little bit of dialogue. Sure. It can just be a slice yeah. of his negotiation power of what maybe Scrimcorn hears as he's walking from the room out the door. What's what does he hear? Yeah, and then I want a dice roll. I want to see if we can lower that number. Just a just a piece. <laughs> we'll, we get we get to have some dice in there. But what Charisma slice roll. of conversation does he hear? Absolutely, mock <clears throat> mock. Basically, he shows one of the storm bubbles and he says, "I'm about to head to the highest level of bidding for." Uh, he says uh, at the crafting bazaar, and I'll bring you back a guest that can pay double what we're paying. All right, that's what that's what uh, Scrim, Scrimcorn hears as he's as he's passing by. Uh, let me jump to uh, Baron. What's Baron's interest over these next few days? As you're mostly just sort of in a waiting pattern to leave for uh, High Mascar. Eventually, uh, I assume the plan is to go to High Mascar. That was the that's, lead that's you guys direction. had. I, I thought you had said okay, okay. So there's some more research. Yeah, no, yeah. no. I think I think High Mascar is a place. Where, it's what we figured out from the map room. It's your biggest lead. Yeah. for a way to get. Um, you can also get the, You've learned that you can also get there. Did I say it explicitly? We learned that we could get to Deep Amaskar through a portal in High Amaskar. I wanted to make sure that I clarified that uh, it maybe didn't come out. So as part of the map research, you, there's, you could also get to it through the Underdark. It's absolutely possible. Deep Amaskar? Yes. You can, okay. you can walk up to the front door of, of Deep Amaskar. Getting in is a challenge. They are a very isolationist society. Um, and that would be a challenge to overcome. Of course, in High Amaskar, you also can't just go through their teleportation gate no, because it like, it's only for official. Uh, 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 you have to get a relationship with someone. Kingdom business. So, uh, but walking or however traversing through the Underdark and walking to the front door. Walking through the also corpses of our enemies. Yeah. Uh, I just want to make sure that there are options on the table, but. Yeah. I think you guys have discussed that gotcha. High Amaskar seems. I think. Remind me where it is. Skyclave is. Right there. there. Yep. And it's somewhere over Deep here. Deep is somewhere under Thay-ish. Under Thay, okay. Under In that Thay. area, but maybe up where you've circled. Uh, basically, yeah. its exact location is not something of okay. in most official records. Well, I mean, that makes a really long, skinny triangle with, like, here and here and us way the fuck over there. So going to Skyclave, not the worst case scenario if it doesn't work out. Great. Alright, so you're pushing forward on that assumed plan for now. It's fine. Of course, when you start, like you said, when you start traveling, you can change to either leg of those triangles yeah. pretty easily for quite a while before it diverges yeah. into a single. As one just logistically, there was a little bit of discussion about doing some pre-leg work here about getting in with um, some high Mascar diplomats or connections. Like, we can basically start getting some names, getting some leads in high Mascar before we leave, if people want to do that. That was discussed as a something we could spend on. Right the groundwork. Yeah. It's not a bad idea, keeping this trade thing. Um, Alright, so what is Baron sort of interested in doing during these? During this Baron is interested trade? in getting some more information. Uh, one, on the topic of Snowbane, because we still need to find her and give her her hammer. And two on, he wants to, when he was in Waterdeep, was the big town we were in, 
When he was there, he met with one of the, the, the cleric of the temple, the high cleric of the temple of Moradin there, and he got a letter to another cleric, but frankly, it was not in the direction that we were going. It was like somewhere way down south, and we were heading north. So it was not a very helpful letter of introduction to someone who maybe could be a lead towards possibly, like, helping out with his wife. So he's trying to get information about the who's who of of specifically Temples of Morden because he kind of wants, wants to keep this in-house of potentially ways to revive his wife. He could do it himself. A small part of his pride would like to be able to somehow do this himself. But at the same time, he recognizes that's still very far off in the future of his own abilities. And the more pra- practical solution may be just to find someone else. But at the same time, his own religious pride, he would prefer to be someone of the Morden faith. So yeah. he's wanting to find out the who, what, who's out there. Is there is there anyone known? Is there are there people like how common of a of a thing is this? Are there? Oh yeah, there's like twenty places you could go. There's there's literally nowhere nowhere you could go. There's a rumor of a place you could go. Like how? What are the options? Because now before until very recently he didn't even have the finances to afford the spell. But that's no longer an issue, so now he's wondering if it's a possibility of someone who gets this. It's a very high-level spell. These are, like, legendary powerful. Like, this is a... a not, not not small potatoes. Trying to raise someone who's been dead over a year. So let's start with the, the second topic. Sure. Um, Baron spends some time discussing this, and what Baron finds is a, a lot of information about the dwarven holds. I mean, what... When one is seeking information about temples of Moradin and notable uh, uh, high priests of Moradin and those yeah. uh, that, that you know specifically are known for that, one can't help but end up talking about the dwarven holds and the dwarven kingdoms. And the dwarven kingdoms of the far east are probably very unknown to Baron. They're just uh, yeah, they're of very the, little relevance. The um, seven big holes are what's popular on the west coast. Yeah, and, and, a different race of dwarfs, the gold dwarves. Yeah, the and, dwarves. and they are, mm. and and to the seven dwarven holds here, they are for the most part the only dwarves that really matter in the world. Uh, you know, traveling from the the entire. West coast of Faerun to the east coast of Faerun is just not something that happens yeah. very often. Yeah. You get travelers from a faraway land, and they're eccentric uh, travelers and traders or bards or whatever. Or like once, or like they're back yeah. again, and their life's over. Like it's just so, there's no tired. there's no trade lines between them or, or or much communication at all. So you're really learning a lot from scratch here because there's just never no cause for that. Being. It's a very academic topic hmm. to learn about the. The dwarves of the uh, of the east, and so, but that's what Baron spends some significant time learning about is is these dwarves and where he would you know likely find it. Perhaps he's focusing largely on the areas in High Amaskar and the dwarven holds that are in that region, or especially perhaps on the way. Yeah. And uh, and Baron gathers a lot, leads to check in the, the potentially on the way. Baron uh, probably also finds it a bit. Um, Perhaps frustrating. He doesn't exactly know the method of travel that he'll be doing. An airship of unknown capabilities and <laughs> unknown design and unknown expectations. And uh, unknown availability. And unknown availability. Uh, and so sort of going, you know, okay, well, just assuming that you're going to generally go in the line. looking at a line from here to there and what's generally in between. Yeah, within, so, you know, a decent width. And so there's a, there's a lot to learn there and Baron learns it. 
and we'll reveal what he learned along the way when Great. he uses that knowledge. Um, as far as uh, Snowbane, Snowbane, let me cut over to let me cut over to Mock again. As Baron this time is walking out of the room and overhears Mock again at the counter, perhaps later that evening in a different encounter with the uh, with the front desk staff. Of this is the not a one and done situation. <laughs> no. <laughs> what does Baron overhear this time in Mock's conversation? This time Mock is with a tall and slender tanned gentleman with long kind of white quality uh, white linen robes and, uh, and a very kind of ornate headdress. Uh, the man has just like bejeweled hands, just like multiple rings on every finger. The man seems exclusively wealthy. <laughs> the kind of person that those bandits were hoping to catch in the alleyway. <laughs> That's what they were looking for. Exquisitely wealthy and very soft. White linen motherfucker. Yeah, this guy would just be like plucking rings and throwing them as he like dashed off on the other side of the, of the alley. I killed uh, you with my jewelry, good sir. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so um, he says. Says the uh, the heir to the sultanate is extremely wealthy and finds that his uh, his entourage doesn't have sufficient accommodations. Uh, in, in given the uh, given the the uh, amount of people here for the trade festival, he has. Uh, I'm really not doing the accent. Well, he says he has. Uh, who? It is intolerable that some of his servants are are forced to stay with the uh, or are at the. Uh, at the bazaar, where, where trade is conducted. And that's all Baron hears as he stops for a moment to, like, listen in, like, ooh, Mock's doing his thing. <laughs> yeah. What's he doing and now? And then uh, continues on out for the uh, business that, that Baron had. And um, we'll come back to Baron's uh, Snowbane research in a moment. Uh, I want to jump on over to... Let's go uh, Scrimcorn. What was Scrimcorn occupying his time with during this? Uh, I wanted to go to the trade festival itself. Scrimcorn spends time at the trade festival. Um, that first night, the day after, the day after the uh, snoot, uh, the vomiting of snoot, which as it will be called. The short incident. The schlop. The schlop. What did I say? Kalen wrote it down. Suggested it as a name for this episode. So if you're listening to the podcast and it is named that, it was Kalen's doing. Mm, don't blame me. It was the schlop. It was the schlop. It was the schlop. The schlop. Uh, What's the, the schlop alcohol that you're buying for your wine guy? Batavia Iraq. It's like it's I like knew it was the Batavia Iraq. Magic oil vein was the cheesecloth. <laughs> so anyway, the uh, I lost track of what I was saying. You know what? I was going to do Oh, so you go to the trade festival, yeah. So the, 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 the day after, <laughs> it's restricted name. to those that have purchased a very expensive 3,000 gold uh, pass oh, okay. for access to the trade Beetle. festival. Beetle for the afternoon uh, before the trade festival has officially opened. And it is very sparse in the streets, and uh, it, you know you can see it from afar, you but you are not allowed You would stand out like a freaking sword and, thumb uh, and then some. It's clearly like the shop owners. It's clearly like an industry night. It's it's a this is where the only the people that know each other and also wealthy. This guy that Mock is yeah. seen with a day later, he's there for sure. sure. Um, and uh, you know, three thousand bucks for a ticket to yeah. get the shop uh, shopping piece. Yeah. Smelling some fruit and going, ugh. 
It's so Scream Gwen finds no luck that he night. But then the following couple days, the <laughs> bizarre the trade they call it the trade bazaar, the trade, trade festival. Trade festival. It is I mean, it's humongous. This it's like an it's like a whole city that has been that has been that has sprouted up. Um, outside of Silvering Moon, and it, and it spreads into even the tree line, where where there are more tents and 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 showcases set up, and it's 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 a sight to behold. Screamcorn's seen trade districts before, you know. This is not like he's never seen the hustle and bustle, but this is this is above and beyond. People are clearly traveling from far away, and. Scrimcorn throughout this. Is he looking for anything in particular? Is he, he trying to take it in? He looks at the size of it and he looks, sees how fast it happened and he exclaims, It's like an algae bloom! Amazing. Ew. <laughs> Loudly. To relate it to the natural and world. It's all as per his requirements. I mean, the trade festival is its like a sprawling metropolis of trade. And it's... It is just, it is unlike anything Scrimcorn has ever seen before. And at one point, Scrimcorn spots Drewston. Uh, How do you uh, get money? No, 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 this is later. This okay. is not in the exclusive oh, okay. night. Oh, Scrimcorn no. ain't there in the exclusive. No. Scrimcorn like, scoffed the, the idea of doing? having to pay early. He's like, of course I'll pay that. And then found that it was that much, and he was like, what rational person would pay that? There's no there's no cost uh, to go in the next yeah. day. It's just right. uh, it's just like an exclusive night. Uh, much like the the the... Only the merchants that paid extra. Is, Mock learned this from what's his name at uh, All That Glitters. Uh, that the, uh, all, all the yeah the wholesalers get first access right. to the trade ship before it's even uh-huh. been unloaded. There's sort of a a trade. Uh, there's like a trade hour there where they go. Like uh, I imagine it's like a like the fish market when yeah. the when the fish come in, right? It's like that that like super mm-hmm. rapid like the people that are there. They have got the relationships that know what they're like doing. Browsing the ones that have the relationship. They're like get 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 yeah. get B to before, C before B to B before to everyone else comes B in. B is like right. more like shopping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, volume of transaction goes down. The price gets way up. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, so Scrimcorn, you know, is just taking this all in and seeing this. This is, this is an unbelievable, like you said, it's like an algae bloom. It's like something you normally only see in, 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 in like sort of nature, but here it is, a bunch of sentient beings doing that in a grand scale. There's or an this, insect hatching. There's a sociological, uh, you know, uh, a spider egg hatching. Sight to behold here that is fascinating for those that are interested in such things. Um, and you know, and as Scrimcorn is walking around, he sees all sorts of, uh, uh, of unusual things. Some of which he recognizes: wormling eggs, purple dust, flakes of gold scraped from the bellies of uh, burrowing scowl beetles. You know, all sorts of just and and Scrimcorn. Scrimcorn's also had. He's seen his fair share of charlatans and his many, many, many travels. Scrimcorn is probably the the most traveled out of anyone in the group. I'm going to assume, right? He goes from town to town to village to village, doing these things. So he's. Like well, maybe Drewston, but Drewston hasn't gone far and wide. No, he traveled a lot in a small area. I, that's right. Yeah. And a different kind. Yeah, and and but Scrimcorn's been doing it his whole life. Sure. Just you know, which prayer to which prayer to which prayer to which prayer, and um, so Scrimcorn's seen his fair share of charlatans, and he he sees a healthy share of that. You know, snake oil being sold here and there, uh, but 
But a lot of this is, is stuff that he knows as exotic goods. Like, he recognizes that uh, 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 that wormling egg. Like, oh, that's probably a legitimate thing. Scrimcorn knows the, the, the signs of it. He sees starflower extract, and that's that's only grown in, like, the uh, uh, in, in, in the deepest, stankiest swamp. Uh, uh, that's an unusual thing to be able to find. There's some spider silk from the Underdark that, uh, uh, that maybe he thinks... Uh, Oil vein might be a connoisseur about because perhaps Grimcorn just assumes that oil vein knows everything about the other. <laughs> You're a representative, uh, right? Yeah. Spices from plants long thought extinct. I mean, there's just everything here. And uh, at one point, he does see Drustin, and Drustin is uh, Drustin is in an engaged conversation with one of the uh, uh, with one of the stall keeps, and he is. Scrimcorn catches a bit of the... Is Scrimcorn going over and, like, sidle up and listen or just catch a glimpse of the conversation? Uh, he'd, he'd sidle up. He'd so sidle Scrimcorn up. sidle up and Drewston is is deep in conversation about where this guy has gotten all of these unusual things here. And and Drewston is talking about, you know, oh, where did you find that? In? Oh, the dungeon or... or uh, you know, old ruins uh, uh, across the Sea of Fallen Stars. Well, I see what you say. And, um... Drewston keeps asking about well, were any of these along the southern edge of the Sea of Fallen Stars? I'm pretty particular interested in that uh, general linear path towards High Mascar about what ruins might be interesting. Um, and uh, he's uh, he's talking about this. Road's having attraction. Scrimcorn probably gets bored after a while because Scrimcorn uh, is talking about this for a while. Leans into the shopkeep and says, "Be careful, friend. This man will advertise your trade secrets, whether you like it or not." <laughs> The guy stops talking to Drusen and says, What did he say? And Drusen says, Oh no, it's just my friend, just he's just having a laugh a little bit. And uh, he says, oh, I think our conversation is done here. And Drusen says, Ooh, and uh, walks over to somewhere else. I've been ruined. Conversation <laughs> 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 Laughs hardly to himself. I did a good thing. <laughs> All right, um, let's jump over to. Uh, uh, let's get a little bit of. Let's get some Baron. More Baron. Um, Baron is is trying to learn more about Snowbane. You said yes. How does he go about doing that? Uh, well, we've already uncovered a couple of resources in the map room, which is a lot of information about. Places presumably, um, and so maybe he spends a day there trying to get like, okay, where are Goliaths known to live? Where are like Goliaths from? Where where are places that you might hear of Goliaths being or something like that? Um, and he finds some decent information in the map room. Uh, uh, you know, he he knows about Bearjaw, and and he is able to talk. There are librarians that are eager to uh, help, or not librarians, but map housearians. Um, that uh, desk cartographers, <laughs> desk <laughs> cartographers, um, and uh, you know, finds that there are records uh, of of Goliath tribes in all sorts of very cold climates. You've got to up in the Snowflake Mountains, or not Snowflake Mountains. The, where what was that? The spine of the world, uh, way up there. Obviously, that's where mm-hmm. um, that's where Bear from. Is that right? Mm-hmm. She's up in the spine of the world. There. Oh yeah. But also the Snowflake Mountains down in the more the central Faerun down here. There's somewhere over here. 
We know the Snowflake Mountains. They are here. Yeah. Um, Snowflake Mountains, as well as other, uh, uh, as well as other high cold regions. climates. A lot of high regions. He's able like to find cold. some records, but they do well. seem to be. What he learns is that they do seem to be scattered throughout the world. Hmm. They're not really centered like the east, east, northern coast. Which perhaps, if you've had any conversations with uh, Bear Josh, is just naturally assumed that. Goliaths all come from there. There's not a lot of conversation. They don't, about, like, they don't have the dwarves are They don't have records. These all these yeah. records you find are of explorers. They're of non-Goliath. Uh, mm. People who's dedicated their lives to exploring and documenting these sorts of things, and, and information is few and far between. But he finds little glimpses of here and there. The Snowflake Mountains, a notable Goliath tribe there, that this person had visited and, and found great hospitality. And then another one, he finds that someone up in the uh, what are those mountains up there? Let's say the uh, East Spur. I can't even read that. Whatever that says. That's a lot of letters. That is the Earth Spire. Earth Spire oh. Mountains. Up in the Earth Spire Mountains, God, another thing. Back in the old fourth Earth, when there Earth Spur, sorry. Earth moats and shit Earth everywhere. Earth Spur <laughs> Mountains. Up in the Earth Spur <laughs> Mountains, uh, three warring Goliath tribes where this cartographer found no welcome amongst any of the Goliath tribes trying to do. They straight to business, all about the wars that are currently going on, and uh, outsiders were just met with uh, fear, and uh, you know the account of this particular suspicion. cartographer was a uh, great suspicion, lucky to get out with his life. Uh, uh, for the Goliaths, don't uh, they don't mince words. And don't if, if you're a spy, they're just going to smash you with their hammer. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so he finds hands. various things. Um, that's what he finds in the map house. Unfortunately, not a lot about records of, of, of these sort of cultural records, because this place is really focusing on things that are about the locations, where people are, and less about the specific cultures and the stories yeah. is what you're looking for His other option would be the, the Sage's Place, which he's trusted, and Oil may have talked about their experience there. Mm. That, or he would go to the concierge at the uh, the Golden Oak, who has been very, very helpful. The concierge... Like where a person would find... The concierge suggests the House of Sages. House of I should really get the real name of it. I even... I Sounds like that's what it was. Sage House? Sage Corp. Sage Corp. I got it right here. I'm loading Sage the page. Co. And sages. It's the Vault of the Sages. That's a vault. It's a better Even name. Even more exclusive than a house. It's five floors high. Oh, it's Five vast labyrinthine dungeon levels beneath. So it's ten levels. Full of snooty sages. Um, is Baron willing level. to spend coins? You defeat me. Uh, depends on the number. Well... In the Vault of Sages, the uh, the funny thing about it is there doesn't seem to be any ceiling to the amount of coin you can spend to increase the access to the amount of uh, uh, knowledge, both in specific knowledgeable sages as well as the vast records that are stored there. Huh. It sort of of goes in a (laughs) sort of a quadratic uh, scaling in the cost to access the uh, the rarer and rarer tomes and the more and more experienced people. They they must have an incredible department of actuaries there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's uh, he's willing to spend some coin on this. I mean, this was a mission given to him by by his god, god. not by a god or god. His God, His specifically, God. who the believes in strongly and calls upon daily. And who <laughs> yeah. fights his enemies for him and heals his enemies. And that God, 
Aaron, your back wrote a message that said, you need to do this. Yeah. (laughs) So he takes that very personally and very seriously. So he's willing to spend some coin, uh, presuming that it's a number that's reasonable. We don't need to get to the exact number now, but I think I'm getting getting an understanding that Baron would... He would put some significant would resources into this. He sees diamond. this as a very serious charge. Would yeah. He wouldn't that compromise the safety of him or whatever and the adric quest that they're going mm-hmm. on such that he's like going to run his coin down. Mm-hmm. But he would put some coin that would make yeah, Mock flinch, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, More than Mock would be comfortable with. That's the number. That is the number. That is a very understandable How number. How many Mock frowns did Rumbling. you spend? Uncomfortable. Furious. <laughs> <laughs> Uncomfortable to furious. The cost of the room, perhaps, is furious. <laughs> it's infuriating. Indeed. Also um, shocking. But beyond fury, because it, it builds up. And then uh, the, okay. He was deflated. Yeah. So <laughs> it is true. through this that Baron finds himself occupied for multiple that? days. For This is a ten-story, ten basement levels, ten stories up of knowledge, and uh, many sages willing to assist him at the levels of... Uh, uh, patronage and donation that he has provided to the vaults. So of many donations, and uh, it takes some days. We'll come back to that in a moment. I want to cut to, um, uh, but, but let me know. Let me get a little tease uh, of things. Baron starts to get on the right track. It takes the right person to talk to, refer to another person, refer to another person, and uh, reading some some volumes. And you're finding you're you're narrowing in on on records that are specifically. There's two categories of records that Baron finds himself pursuing kind of simultaneously as he's waiting for someone to get back to him here and waiting for someone to get back to him here. Uh, There's one is pursuing down the ideas of folk legends, folk tales, and you know, Mm -hmm. that's what Snowbane is. is The rumors of Snowbane. The folk legends, Mm -hmm. rumors of Snowbane amongst the Goliaths. And someone that specializes on these, these word of, not word of mouth, but uh, Oral traditions traditions of various cultures, not just Goliaths, but all sorts of things. Goliaths is oftentimes one of the least represented because they are very nomadic and a lot of outsiders don't oftentimes see them. However, those that write about them say that while while they're inaccessible, inaccessible, their oral tradition is unlike any other culture that they have run across at all. These 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 people that specialize in it, it is it is the crown jewel of Aww. the types of oral traditions to be able to get because yeah, the Goliaths their entire society and tradition is oral tradition. They mm-hmm. don't write down things. Most Goliaths don't learn to read or write. It's just not part of their culture. Completely and so so those that do write notes. it and those that do get into <laughs> it, they write about it ravenously. It's, it's, it becomes a passion of theirs. And, and Baron finally starts narrowing in on these rare records, very unusual uh, um, stories. And so he's he's narrowing in. You can see he's getting some information. He's starting to read some repeat stories that you've heard from the... Uh, what were they called? The sky callers, sky yeah, readers, sky callers, sky caller, the druids. That you, uh, the, the the essential druids of the of the Goliath. They people. had all their records that they were keeping of Snowbane. And the yeah, stories and, and so he starts to read some repeat stories of the sky callers, which tells Baron that he's absolutely on the right track because yeah. he's starting to like corroboration. He's seeing a written record yeah. of something that the sky caller told him about. Okay, they wonderful. had said they hadn't seen any sign of Snowbane in like a decade or something, right? Or uh, many that. decades, many, decades. many decades yeah, okay. since uh, seen. So uh, you know, trying to find any any records of it, and um, so. 
feels like he's on the right track. It's taking his days though. You know, he's there, yeah. he's all day, he narrows in on it. It's hard to figure out where to look. And so he's starting to forget, oh, I mentioned there were two tracks. So there's one of this oral tradition. And then there's one of the study of Goliaths themselves. So he finds people that are particularly interested in Goliaths. That's a different avenue of research. And, and oftentimes their, their research and their documents is, is more is about like the Goliaths like as a where people. Like being, being drawn to? Well, they're more like behavioral and such and not necessarily documenting the oral traditions. And so he's having to sort of cross-reference data between He finds that data interesting just because it's sort of a little insight into Bear John. What that's yeah. all about? You're like, oh, I see a little and bit And he's seeing a lot of consistency. That's one is thing. She, is she a... She's a great... Is she like a Goliath's Goliath as far as like being a representative <laughs> of the race? Weird. Is she more like a drizzard? That's a good question. So... So he finds, I would say, and, and correct go me ahead, if, if you ever think I'm contradicting. Don't worry. He finds, <laughs> he finds two answers to that question. He finds a yeses and he finds noes. Mm-hmm. And the yeses is the way that she seeks adventure. Mm-hmm. And the way that she's always looking for the next big, the next big story to tell. The next big... The next big score. <laughs> and that exactly. seems to just permeate every Goliath society that is documented in all of these tomes. Is it's always that. The the the, the cultures of Goliaths is always about being the, the the not the biggest and best, those are the, the wrong words, but the grandest. The grandest, but not in buildings and not in acclamation of, of wealth like a lot of the other societies. It's personal achievement. It's personal, personal achievement. It's things that you've done. You Legacy. saw this you saw this in the wall scaling competition at the at the thing. And you see that everywhere. And while the traditions are different, while the competitions are different, it's always the competition. Theme. It's always that. The part that d- diverges is the sense of the tribal nature. Is the always Goliaths are always with Goliaths. And Goliaths are very tribal. They are very much always with each other. Very, they're not isolationist because they don't not allow people to come. As you guys, you were yeah. pretty welcome among yeah, the they freaking took you in Abek. It's just most yeah, people did. don't find it very hospitable it's, to live in the snow with no the buildings. Life. They're not going to be like, oh, you're from this place. Let's make you some lodgings that suit your needs. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, yeah, they, they will make right. zero effort to accommodate. An outsider, wanna... but they will welcome an outsider to their festivities. <laughs> Absolutely. And, but so outsiders come in like these the sorts writer. of the, the the writers. So that's where Bear Jaw's experience and your experience with her is different. Is that she's not with the other Goliaths? She's mm-hmm. off on her own. And you've learned some from that's her fair. directly about that 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 is her reasons for not being with her tribe. But perhaps reading about these tribes, you're finding out just how much it is unusual for a single Goliath to be on their own. Mm. To, to, to sort of be exiled from their tribe. I mean, she, you know, in, in, in this way, to be to be isolated from their tribe is a very un-Goliath thing. Um, so, what do you find about, you know, sort of understanding Bear Jaw? Let's jump back to what you learn about Snowbane in a little bit. I want to jump to Mock and uh, Balanos. So... Oh, Balanos. Oh, Balanos. Balanos. As Mock returns time and time again to Golden Oak, I suppose, oh, well, I didn't actually ask you, but I assume much of Mock's time is spent at Balanos' workshop, yeah, trying he, to get those many hours he, of use out of this. And he's kind of like a work nights, like crash in the morning, you know, up in the afternoon, take care of some shit, and then go back to the workshop. Like his, the, the evening hours he kind of worked out with Balanos are like the hours where she's less busy in his shop, and they're just 
giving each other some space in that way. <laughs> so Balanos, uh, he finds it on starting on the second night. She says, "I finally got time to work on your ship," and uh, she sits down at a spinning wheel, and she is spinning thread. And I does Mock still together? And so now that now does that Balanos come out, out? <laughs> and and Essen expresses to Mock, he's like. I've got to see her work. I've got to see her work. Mark says, I, yeah, let me know. I, I'll, I'll be here, you know, kind of the, the, the dwarven staunchness that he's, of course, stealing glances over, like, very Yeah, as Mark is uh, stealing the glances, he sees that Balanos is, uh, you know, she's she's pumping the she's pumping the the, the, the foot pedal of a, a I assume spinning thread works how it does in Sleeping Beauty, and it's literally yeah. my only exposure to spinning wheels. So let's just assume that's correct. Yeah, it's usually like a big cannon. mess of like fuzz, and then you're slowly taking the fuzz and turning it into thread. So here's where it's different. It looks like a spinning wheel. It's got a it's got a spool that it's spinning into, and uh, but where it's coming from, instead of being fuzz, uh, as uh, Sam has taught me, as the technical term, yeah, um, the wool, straw, whatever you know, it's thing you're strung out from a. There's a name for this thing, and I was racking my brain earlier today, and I couldn't think of it. A a glass domed top, sort of card like a giant fuse. Uh, there's a, a name vacuum for vacuum tube. That's what I was thinking of. A vacuum tube. Man, I was Googling. I literally Googled like a glass plug at <laughs> work. Like bell jar or something. No, I Googled that at work and it was showed me a bunch of pictures of glass butt plugs. <laughs> yes! <Yeah! laughs> I was like, ooh, gonna close that tab, not what I'm looking for. So, nice. glass plug will not let you find glass vacuum tubes. So, True. what you see is kind of like... <laughs> I'm glad you appreciated that story because I was like, hey, uh, I do. Should have had something like bookmarks. Hey, yeah. it's, great, it's great to have a GM that's willing to take a few steps in the dark to get the job done. You gotta get your hands dirty to make a good story. So, uh, this, so it, it, it resembles <laughs> what, so dirty. what kind of what, what you might imagine as a vacuum tube. Unclean. And the thread is coming out from some sort of um, like metal contraption on the bottom of this vacuum tube, and there is a light inside the vacuum tube mm. that is darting around oh, violently inside this tube that as she's <laughs> continuing to pump uh, uh, pump the wheel. Does Mock come over? Is he asking about any of this, or is he only going to pick up <clears throat> as Balanos talks to Essen? How proud is call. he? God. Tough call. There, there's definitely this. So here, here's what it is, and I'm not gonna get too deep into it. I'll just be say, look, there's the pride aspect. There's Mox fucking busy on his own shit. This is his yep. time, right? We're talking about like warming down from all the craziness, uh, and then there's like there's real curiosity about what's going on, as well as there is I'm gonna have to live on this thing, whatever is being engineered. <laughs> so there's some some real tension, some some good reasons on both sides whether to do or not do. I would say it takes a day or so before he finally comes over and he's like. So, Balanos, what are you doing over here? All right, so the first day, the spinning of the thread, Mock is trying to he's mostly concentrate on what he's doing, business. but he keeps stealing glances, and he can't hear help but open. No, he's just like, I gotta do me. And uh, as Essen asks Balanus, what is this? Uh, what is this creature you have, uh, you have trapped here? And she says, oh, that's a will-o'-wisp, uh, evil creature from the swamps nearby. And uh, uh, as she's uh, pumping the wheel, and Mock catches a glimpse over as the light is darting around, and then it slows down and eventually oh, winks out as Balanos <laughs> continues 
to uh, uh, pump the pedal of the wheel, and then she just gets up, uh, twists a quarter turn on the uh, glass cartridge, goes over to a shelf, and then she like disappears around the corner. She comes back with another glass cartridge, with a light like zipping around inside, sticks it down, quarter turn, it gets back to the spinning wheel, and she continues to pump the pedal. Necromancer, she is like. Literally the robots in the Matrix. <laughs> just, I can turn the world into a copper top. Um, and so she You're continues welcome. to like rhythmically push the pedal of the spinning wheel, and she's she does this for hours. And like the the, the thread is not coming fast from this will o wisp thing. It's it, it, you know it's moving like, maybe like an inch every three seconds. It's like a slow, like, extruding of this thread. And given, like, the crazy contraptions and machines and augmented things, like, it's it's crazy that this isn't automated in some way, but it says something about what she's doing, that she's personally doing it. Yeah, and every, like, every, like, ten feet of thread that she makes, she's, like, she pulls it and she, like, pulls it off the spool and she checks it and puts it back and then she's, like, like pumping it more and more. And she goes... Another cartridge, another cartridge, another cartridge of these, like, if she's to be believed, will-o'-wisps trapped in these glass sure. vacuum tubes as Dancing she uh, lights. puts them in, and then they uh, they just snuff out. Slow dance. Uh, and then the night. Trapping things and things is kind of her thing, I guess. Seems to be her thing. <laughs> she's got a... How many she, she does that on a couple side. different levels. So. <laughs> she sizes them up, she's like, level ones. Go get me some will-o'-wisps. Yeah. Yeah. She just brings out, like... Wheels out in a wheelbarrow, just like a guy, just a guy in like a fishbowl, yeah. like straps it in. When Essen is not talking to her, or when Essen like sort of wanders off to do something else, she talks to the Will O' Wisp. She looks to the cartridge and just says, "Oh, this will be a much better existence for you. Don't worry." He says, "Your life will be going to a much greater good as I as I spin it into this thread." So, sure, he says, says, "You will be." Uh, says, "You will." Be terrorizing anyone else in that swamp of yours, and almost like with a taunting voice as she pulls the life force out of this willow. True neutral sounds generous. (laughs) Chaotic neutral. Chaotic neutral. Uh, Yeah. Well, a a, a beautiful speech on kind of like live and let live is like maybe on the other end of the spectrum of her. The second day, uh, fuck all that. Here's a guy who fights bandits. Here's a guy who fights bandits and uses them to build stuff. The second day, Balanos is working with the thread. By the time Mott comes in in the afternoon, Balanos has got thread already, like, like, uh, uh, pulled, strung out. That's what it is. Strung out from from the the, the spinning wheel. And Mott sees when he walks into this place a set of uh, five concentric metal circles on the ground with a bunch of Leathers, like sort of haphazardly strewn about them. He can't make sense of what he's seeing. But it's five concentric metal circles with a bunch of leather that seems to be connected to the metal circles. And she's pulling very carefully and slowly this thread that's on the same spinning wheel that you saw before. That's uh, got this very faint glow to it as uh, as she goes. And she uh, looks like she's maybe tying, maybe fusing. Hard to tell exactly what she's doing, but she's attaching it to different points sure. on these metal circles. She's kind of like lining it, maybe. Yeah, and it, it's taking a while. Is this the point where Mock is... Uh... Yeah, so on day two, <laughs> all those things yeah. are like... Shit. the. The nature of that thread is just kind of eating his way, and now things are becoming a little bit less weird and a little bit more like structural. Like, hey, I'm, 
you know, we've got some circles. These could be kind of like load-bearing implements, right? We're not just putting someone's life energy in like a like, like into and like some filament, up. right? And so he he comes like, "Ah, Malamus, you've been hard at work as well. What? Uh, how's the project coming in?" He says, what in the hell oh, is coming that right along, coming along, darling. Just working on the balloon now, or at least one of them. And uh, and she's connecting it, and she's, uh, Mock sees that this fabric does, would not touch anything. Uh, he, 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 he is very respectful of the space. And so, He's a fellow crafter. And so, if, yeah, if there's like an invitation. Uh, then she says, I can see it in your eyes, darling. You can touch. Uh, he says, he says, uh, it is fascinating, and a very, very remarkable engineering here. The dwarves simply don't build things quite this delicate. Refined, but more robust. As Mark is sort of exploring us, <laughs> as he touches the fabric, the leather, it's it's leather-like, but Mark is pretty certain that it's not leather. That's it's only it's major species strewn species. about with these uh, concentric <laughs> rings. He touches oh, it, God. and it is, it is immediately sharply, painfully cold yeah. to the touch. Uh, uh, as Mock touches it, and then Mock realizes that there is ice crystals have formed on the ground and on the metal itself around where this leather-like material is. And she says, oh, do be careful. She says, gotta hold a tempest after all. Yeah, where is the teapot at this point? Oh, just like strewn about and like laying in the gotcha. corner by a couple blankets like haphazardly on its side. Sure. Gotcha. <laughs> and, like, and like, you know, doesn't look any different than it has before. Things just kind of... I mean, her workshop is full of I think Mach probably takes some comfort in the hiding in plain sight ability of the teapot. Like, there's so many weird, glowing, pulsing, whirring, springing things Mysteries that he's just like, why would you ever, you know, which is probably why it lasted so long in the band camp in the first place. Well, they had no uh, idea what they had, huh? And uh, it's, it's, it's a few hours of Mach watching uh, Balanos work, connecting these points at like exact equidistant points along these uh, along these uh, three of the five concentric circles, uh, uh, the outermost one, then two more in, then the middle one, and um, on the other side, as she's got this laid out, and the other sides are connected to nothing. She then goes over and brings a uh, what looks like a, at first a wooden woven sphere. Uh, and she brings it over and starts attaching a threads to the uh, to points on this wooden sphere. And it is a, while wooden, it is a dark, dark, dark wood. Like almost the blackest, like tree wood. Is it all Ebony? Wood, tree Does wood? it look like the Gothias wood? No, good question. That's good question. a very dark, evil wood. It is she different likes to from that. Things. It is different from that, but perhaps reminiscent. Uh, it's it's reminiscent, Ma- Derek. Mark is questioning. Yeah. Mark is questioning. Uh, and she says, "And she says, oh, don't worry about it, darling. It's, it's just uh, the wood of a uh, of a fell dryad." He says, "Like what?" At a her? certain point, he says, Balanos, nothing here <laughs> looks like an airship, and like he's not like pretending to be some sort of expert, but Grumbar and like obviously a few a few in Silver Moon now with the festival, and it's like nothing. It's one of those things like I'm gonna build a car, and after like four days, nothing looks like a wheel, nothing looks like <laughs> nothing looks like an engine component, nothing looks like a steering wheel or a seat. It's just like or a chassis. Are we get yeah, Are we getting there? Like I know what it looks like. Now. Are we getting like one percent? Yeah. The like, smile on her face just goes ear to ear, and she says. Just you wait. 
God, I guess I just have to. She says, and the trick, as she's attaching the thread to exactly evenly spaced points along the sphere. It, it, what it is, it's a, it's a sphere of woven wood. The wood is uh, uh, like, the, like I'm imagining like a wicker like, ball, or like like a wicker ball. The yeah, wicker that's, ball. that's perfect. Actually, the explanation. Perfect. Um, and it's like a wicker ball of dark wood, and and as she's uh, as she's attaching it to like these exact, like perfectly spaced out points, all these threads that are heading to it. She's attaching it to an exact hemisphere of it. And she says, the trick to getting uh, the, uh, the fell wood of a fell dryad is that you must cut off the branches while the fell dryad still lives. Cannot kill the fell dryad, then of course the wood would lose all of its power. Everybody knows and, that. Uh, uh, and she continues to attach this. Very painful to the dryad, poor creatures. As she uh, continues to, she is also she is a dryad, she is a dryad. <laughs> right? But not like, a fellow one. This is made out of human hands. You have to cut the hands off while they're still alive. Well, you can't kill them. They just have to live without hands. Well, Otherwise, it loses its power. But it would be like that if it was a good human or a neutral. No, he was a bad human, about an evil human. He we cut off his hands because he was stealing. He <laughs> was a thief, but not really because he was stealing more because we needed his hands. But you don't have <laughs> empirical. It was, a, you know, some call him A, some call him B. Yeah. We would have cut off his hands if he wasn't stealing, but. We did cut off his hands because we needed it. It was convenient. Tim stealing allowed us to cut off his hands in a way that everyone feels good about it. It was a win win. for him. Poor Whitney feels like his hands You also don't out. have empirical evidence that Valdos is not an evil dryad. Just no, out there. no, of course not. She's like, like, evil, not like me. And you're like, the terms yeah, are like, they're a fellow dryad. Of course. He's just like, right. Of course. Like wood, you know? Like, because again, you for all the workmanship he has, he hasn't done much with wood. He's like, oh, it's this fellow dryad wood. And he's like, he's just like, oh, so it's wood. Cool. Yeah, like the wood bits of the tools were imported usually in the dwarven holds. Correct. He's <laughs> like, let's cut down a tree and bring it down underground three days. She sees Mox sort of like his his look at all of this and she says, darling, if you saw anything typical in my work, then I would not be holding this position. What position do you hold, truly, Balanos? For you seem to be well known, yet uh, operate primarily on your own. She says, I am High Engineer of the Silvery Moon Fleet, of course. He says, uh, of course, I understand that you had some sort of show capacity, but to do so on your own with no, no staff, She's no walking over and picking up the teapot as you ask this. Yeah, and of course, grabs Mox and then he says, but no assistants or students, acolytes, or, or uh, staff in training, no senior engineers, seems like a... A great deal of work for one person. She says, uh, you say a lot of words about things that would slow me down. He says, uh, uh <laughs> I suppose you're not. He says, in fact, your questions themselves, they slow me down, darling. But you know what? I've come to like you. He's like, thank you, boss. Somehow. He, he starts reflecting kind of like, I guess a lot of the reasons why I work with people that are worse than me is because I just want to make more money. Not because I can make better shit. And he's like, that does make sense. <laughs> <laughs> It's really about uh, volume, not quality. Yeah, quantity. It, your quality. It is, but he's like, there's a fleet. Like, how big is this fleet? She walks over to the uh, to like the, the the dark fell dryad wicker ball, and okay. she pulls some of the wood apart, like makes a hole, and she takes the teapot and just shoves it hard inside it, and then lets <laughs> it snap closed. And uh, does it make a shot? And then she's snap? looking, and she's like holding her hands. Close like together. takes like a step back. <laughs> and she's looking. And then you see the teapot like float up into the middle of the wicker ball. And she says, Yes! All right. 
<laughs> and she says, oh, watch this. And uh, you see that there's a wooden knot on the end of the, uh, on one side of the wicker ball. And she turns it just the slightest, tiniest bit. And suddenly the, uh, the threads moving towards the concentric circles on the end, lightning starts arcing between them and shooting out. And the concentric circles rise upwards. And you realize that they hold the shape of a tall, uh, big canvas of leather, a big balloon as it fills up and a storm roils inside of it. And she turns it back down and the five circles slam back down to the ground. And uh, and uh, she rubs her hands together and says, yes. And, uh, and then you see that there's another set of five concentric circles elsewhere in her workshop as she takes another set of string uh, thread and starts stringing it to that side. Um, uh, says, uh, how much weight do you anticipate this uh, aircraft uh, supporting? Are we going to be struggling to keep uh, Mighty Berja aloft, or will there be a, a more generous load that it can tolerate? Well, wait, don't be adorable. He says, very well, wait. <laughs> and uh, so she continues throughout the day. I want to jump back to uh, Baron. Real quick. Yo. Baron, <laughs> Baron continues and day after day. It's three, four days. She said it would be ready in three days, by the way, but on the third day, she's getting to require a couple more days. And her uh, commitment to words. So we've gone three, four days, and Grumbar shows up in two? Uh, Grumbar will show up next session. It's a long and, day. And <laughs> uh, because we're already past time. Yeah. So uh, his, his studies are. It's not like he does all his wife and the dwarves and then all snowbane. It's kind of here and there because some forth. information is great to get at the map house and some information is great to get at the sages. So he does a little of both. Does a little bit of both and sometimes is waiting. Oh, a sage says they're going to do something yeah. get back to him in a couple days. Oh, good opportunity to go over and check out this thing. So um, Baron is on in one of his snowbane days and starts digging through and finds. Finally, as he's like looking through, he's he's finding more and more stories that corroborate the different stories that you've been told by the Skycaller. Uh, the Skycaller had a name, but Longvigor. No, it's long. not Longvigor. He was no, no. he was it the was goat Scrimbane. milk guy. Yeah. Skycaller Scrimbane. Right? It was not well. Okay, it was a Scrimbane. I think he was Goliath language for dick face. <laughs> if I recall. So so. That's his name. His name was actually. It was something that was druidy and skycallery. I remember yeah. it was. Oh, it was Hard Eye. Oh, that's right. As Hard Eye, the Sky, the Sky Watcher is what it was. The Sky Watcher, Hard Eye. He, he had told you many stories, and you're starting to find more and more stories documented. And perhaps this is a bit surprising to you, but the Sky Watchers, they make an effort to document in their own magical druidic way the records of the Goliath people, unknown to most Goliaths, because most Goliaths don't care about it, but the Skywatchers, they serve a very sacred duty to preserve this. When Goliath tribes fall and are obliterated, the Skywatchers keep the story of those tribes alive, otherwise they would be lost. Mm -hmm. And it's a sacred duty to them, even though it is not even known or appreciated by most other Goliaths. Um, is this, are they like localized to that mountain range up there? No, they're at, as what Baron uh, is finding is that it's a role in, in every Goliath tribe found wow. throughout Faerun. It is 
for some reason, extraordinarily consistent in the way that a lot of these tribes are organized, and every one of them always has a sky watcher. You know, There's a couple edge case exceptions, but almost always have a sky watcher, and they communicate the stories of the tribe to others. And because of that, because these stories are kept alive through this sort of psychic druidic network of information, eventually it does make its way into these tomes. It's unusual record keeping. It requires high level access in the, in the halls of sages or whatever it's called. And um, vault. the vault of sages. And eventually, Baron happens in on what is written as a sighting of Snowbane helping out an unusual people. Um, unusual people located in the kingdom of Deepa Mascar. Holy shit! 30 years ago, more recent than any other Snowbane story that he's been able to find in all oh. And we'll continue next week! Oh, yeah! Wait, 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 wait. One more thing. Sam was like, I should roll the dice about the rate. Yeah, oh, roll that. I, I want that. I have inspiration, and I don't want to be in the chaos situation. Yeah. Oh, yeah! I got a chance to right. roll anything tonight. Right. Let roll me roll that dice, dice we'll, and then we'll finish the rest Inspiration. That's a one! And that's, that's a two! two. <laughs> so it was. Hey, 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 hey. That's twice as much as the other guy. It's and it's the second worst diamond in the game. Oh my god. Hey, hey, that inspiration roll doubled your result. Doubled my result. The, the czar uh, is actually like a charlatan. I'm so glad you guys did this. We have a full week to determine how amazing this snowball is going to be. And if you hadn't done the, the inspiration the whole time, you'd been like, man, I rolled a one. It could have been so much better. Been, it could, I could have had that. Uh, hey, hey, no more inspiration though. I'm, I'm wide open for next week, and and that is a very small <laughs> consolation prize. <laughs> very small. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so we will, as I said, continue next week, and, uh, and all y'all are gonna be here for it. Amazing. Okay. All right. All right. Well, yeah, Thursday week. night. Anybody out next week? Can we cover that? No one's out next week. We did cover it, and no one's out. Man, I really liked tonight's session. That was a lot of fun. This was a very busy session. Covered a lot of correct. Oh my gosh.